We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Damian Allen, anyone see the quarterback at Alabama getting paid over seven figures? I saw that Nick Saban said he's close he to seven it. figures. Yeah, he said it. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's but funny. But that could also just be Nick Saban, you know, uh, a recruiting ploy yes, from exactly. Nick Saban. Too. Look, and we got to remember where he said it at. He said it at the uh, the uh, Texas uh, State Coaches Association meeting, okay? Right. He's going to say what he needs to say to make sure he gets into the good graces of right. everybody down in Texas. Right, right. All right, as Vince Ooh. sneezes, I saw that one coming too because your nose started getting really Ooh. twitchy during your last. Uh, Man, that his allergies snuck. are really kicking up, or he's about to sneeze. That one snuck up on me too. But what what I wanted to say was, you know, he's going to say he's like, "Hey, look, man, quarterback at Alabama is making a million dollars, hasn't even taken a snap yet at Al." You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, could some of it be conjecture? Could some of it be real? Either one could be true. I'm just saying, it's not. I would not be surprised if. He's like, oh, yeah, seven figures, absolutely. You know, just, uh, hey, Alabama's still a pretty good place to come if you're a Texas All-American, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And don't think that, that did, that's, you know, that surprise that that happened is Texas is getting ready to join the SEC. Nick Saban yeah. is, doesn't yeah. have seven rings for by accident. Right, okay? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Damien Allen says Notre Dame should join the Big 12. No, they should not. Uh, there'd have to be so many different things to happen for that to make any sense. You know, I, I look, I'll say this. If, if USC was going to be part of that conversation, then I'd say, okay, let's at least have the conversation. If I knew that like Texas A&M was going to come back from the, from the SEC and USC was going to join and maybe you're going to get Nebraska. Okay. You know what? Now, you know, now we're cooking with oil, right? Like now we got something going, uh, but it'd have to be some major changes. They shouldn't, yeah, they exactly. definitely shouldn't join it as it is. Even with Oklahoma and Texas, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for Notre Dame to join. Um, geographically, it, it makes moderate sense. It's no different than the ACC. I don't know if if it, it definitely wouldn't make a, a lot of sense from an institution standpoint. There's no really like-minded institutions in the in the Big Twelve, similar to the issue that I have with the Big Ten. Whereas at sure. least in the ACC, there's there's five or six really even Miami. If you take away the sports. Miami's an outstanding academic institution. Virginia, Virginia Tech, especially Virginia, outstanding academic institution. Duke, outstanding yeah. academic institution. Um, that's just not going to be happening in the Big 12. Uh, 
So I, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Now, if you were to tell me there's going to be some changes and look, Nebraska is going to come back and USC is going to join and AM is going to come back and Notre Dame, okay, maybe I'd be one of the more con- Let's have a conversation more then. Yeah. But even then, I'd, I'd, I'd still say I still think the ACC is the best fit. Especially when you consider the ACC has some of the you know traditional Notre Dame, not rivals, rivals, but there's history with Notre Dame and Pitt. There's history with Notre Dame and Boston College. There's no, there's some history with some of those programs, where you know, Notre Dame and Texas have, have not played a ton in their history. They're barely at ten to ten apparent. Are they even at ten yet of total uh, times that they've played? No, you know, there, there's not a lot of history there. I'm yeah. actually going to look this up while we're talking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. You know, I, I don't know. I just don't see a lot of history there. And a lot of the history they had with the Big 12 when I was young was with a team that's not even in the Big 12 anymore. And that's Texas A&M. Sure. So, yeah, they've played 12 times. Notre Dame and Texas have played 12. That's it, 12 times. Yeah. Uh, that's not a lot of – That's not history. That's not a lot of games. Just... Yeah. I mean, West Virginia they've played four times. TCU they've played once. Iowa State once. That was in a bowl game two years ago. Baylor twice. Oklahoma they've only played 10 times. Kansas, they've only played six times. How many times which, have they played uh, Penn State? Uh, Do you have that at, handy? Well, the point is going to be is there's three teams in the Big 12 right now they've never played. Right. They've never played Texas Tech. Uh, they've never played Kansas State. And I'm trying to figure out who the third team is because I'm oh, – oh, they've never played Oklahoma State. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, Penn State, they have played 19 times. A lot okay. of them were during a period of time, right, okay. uh, that, that – at least for me was crucial. So they played a lot. They never, the first they played in 13, 25, 26 and 28, and then didn't play again until 76. Okay. And then they played again in 81, but then it was 81, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, yeah. 89, 90, 91, 92. And then it stopped. And that's, okay. that's when Penn state went to the big 10. Right. Right. And then they didn't play again until 06 and 07. But I mean, had they stayed independent, they would have started playing more in my opinion. And that's yes. just a rivalry that makes a lot of sense for Notre Dame. Notre Dame recruits Jersey. They recruit Pennsylvania. Sure. Um, there's, there's, there's recruiting reasons for it. There's some traditional football similarities to it that I like. There was a long time where they were both independents. I like that. Um, I just think that kind of thing would, would be a rivalry I'd care more about getting than anyone that would be in the, the big 12. But again, USC joining a conference, would be something another conference would be something that would make me interested in at least listening to what they had to offer. I'm gonna be honest because again, that's Notre Dame's primary rival. Mm-hmm. They would now that Notre Dame should never join the Pac 12. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying if sure. they were gonna think about doing yeah. something different, Big 12 wise, if USC was involved, then yeah. But look, there's sense. gonna be a ton of rumors are gonna come out, and that's what most of the stuff is just rumors. And Click, I, I don't put a lot to, a lot into it. Uh, Richard Robinson, what is your opinion on uh, NIL? Will this help or hurt recruiting? Bama QB already has make is making big money. Uh, if man, done right, I think it it's going to help recruiting. I mean, yeah, if you do it right, I think it'll help Notre Dame. Um, yeah. Bama quarterback was probably already making big money. <laughs> if we're being honest, you know, now it's just legal. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think it's going to help recruiting. Making big money, like because of the NIL. I know. Oh, okay. I'm saying he was already making big oh, money. Oh, okay. Now yeah. it's legal. Now it's legal. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, look, I, I don't, I, I don't like it how it's being implemented now. Yeah. I like it in theory. 
Right. I don't like how it's because it's being implemented and in, in, it's not being implemented. Basically, it's just have it's at like, it. Have, have at fun. it. Go for it. Yeah. We're, right. we're, we're a bunch of cowards in the NCA. We're not going to do anything about it. So just that's do whatever you're going to do. And that's that, you know, but in theory, like a, like Michigan, the players getting benefit of their jersey. I've been talking about players getting should be getting benefit from jersey sales. I've been talking about that for a couple of years now, you know, so I have no problem with that. It's just the way that they're doing it is just awful, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Okay, B. Straw says, uh, Brian, could you go through your process on how you contact a recruit for an interview? Do you DM them on social media and set something up, or do you get phone numbers at camps or from sources? It's different with every kid. I, the answer to that question would be yes. <laughs> I do all that. I mean, it's just, yeah, right. First of all, I don't do a lot of that anymore. Um, so Twitter is actually a kind of thing in some ways made that a little easier because back when I was really coming recruiting a lot, you had to, you had to, call the school you had to get the coach's number you had to talk to coach coach connect you with the kid right that kind of thing and then or you'd email a kid if you could find an email address email the kid hey here's my number let's talk now it's like hey so and so i'm brian i'm publisher at so and so and sometimes i'll do this to set up interviews with guys that work for me uh say look we'd love to interview you talk about this you know let's let's set up a time Uh, if the kid's not responsive you try to find a parent you try to get a hold of the coach you go that way some kids will have coach numbers on their huddle film, so you use that to try to contact the coach. But that's that's really the thing. Try to reach the kid on DM if you have a phone number. And that's the other thing, too, is if a kid's not not responsive on, on DM, you talk to other people in the profession, friends of mine, people that cover other sites. Hey, look, so-and-so that covers such-and-such. Uh, hey, man, could you get me that kid's number? And we'll get it that way and, and go about it that way. So all those things are part of it. And it's a lot like how it was as a coach. I mean, you have to find different ways to get a hold of a kid. Um, so Andrew Goss asks, is Notre Dame still after Nwankpo? Where do you think we stand? I mentioned that earlier, Andrew, but just in case you didn't see that, uh, for uh, Notre Dame's in a good place there. I think they're, I think they're every day they're getting closer and closer and closer to Ohio state. And the longer this goes out, the, the better I think it is, uh, for Notre Dame, in my opinion, Tommy guns asked, uh, see here, if the QB room suffers a bunch of injuries that, that knock out cone pine and Tyler, at what point do you pull Avery Davis back to quarterback, assuming they're all out for at least one or two games? I mean, that, that, I don't know if that's ever happened. That I mean, that's had, like a bomb went off in the right. quarterback room. Um, man. <laughs> you'd probably bring You'd probably start cross training him after the second injury. Yeah. I mean, sure. it, you never totally bring him back. Cause you also still have Brendan Clark. Right. Uh, but true. You'd start cross training, and you have you Ronnie, Ronnie Paulus, Paulus the third, right? But you'd start cross training him after the second, the second injury in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, Vince, am I caught back up to where you are yet? I am at one fifty seven. So uh, I do, I do want to say one fifty. Okay, I do want to. I'm uh, down at two eleven. Oh, so you went past him down with me. Yeah, how, how uh, Steve D. Kish, uh, Drew Tranquil almost went to Purdue, and people said he was a project. So many got that wrong. Um, I didn't. I thought Drew was very good. And part of the reason was when Drew was coming out, I was coaching at the time, and and our defensive coordinator was recruiting um, Fort Wayne, and Drew was from that area. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, Jalen Smith is the far better prospect, obviously. He said, but Drew Tranquil is the better high school player. And I was like, really? Drew Drew Tranquil, uh, because he he, he was committed to Purdue for a long time. He was. And. Uh, the high school I was coaching at uh, played against Fort Wayne Carroll in the playoffs, and we actually had them down three touchdowns and lost the game. Mm-hmm. Long story. Um, <clears throat> still not happy with my head coach on that one. Uh, you know, throwing the ball around, whatever. Anyway, uh, but, but both Tranquil brothers were on that team, 
and and Drew played on both sides of the ball, obviously. And you know, I I was always anti Drew Tranquil just because of that night. You know what I mean? But he was a good. I mean, he was a he was the galvanizing leader of that team, both from a play standpoint, from a um a leadership standpoint, all of that. And he was mm-hmm. literally everywhere right. on the field on both sides of the ball. It was like it was like that annoying gnat that just won't go away. And he just kept making plays and being in the way of everything we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And it just that he's a really, really good high school football player. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was so frustrating. It was so frustrating. Yep. Um, but yeah, he's one of the few that I saw play live before he came to Notre Dame. Um, but very, well, very good. The thing that I always found funny, Vince, is even when he was at Notre Dame, you still had people. Oh yeah, I mean, just it, just dumb takes. I mean, you still had people that would talk about how he's just not really athletic and he's not a super athlete and all this other kind of stuff. And I just kind of laughed at that. And I was like, look, there's a lot you could say about Drew Tranquil. Questioning his athleticism is not someone anyone that has any sense of football should ever have done. Yeah, right. Uh, that's the one that I always laughed at. It's like I, I don't even know. I can't even comment on why you would think that it's such a bad take. And then when he went to the combine and, and ran a four five and had really good testing numbers and, and you know it's just like I'm shocked. I'm like, that's because you still believe this dumb opinion you had when he was in high school that you never allowed yourself to realize was wrong. Uh, the kid is athletic and he's smart, and that combination made him a really good football player. I mean, for him to be and here's the thing is he ran a four or five of the combine after tearing both ACLs in college. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? So good point. Um, he was really, really special athletic player, but um, Sheldon Hager with the super chat. Appreciate that. Shelton very, very much. Nice. I wish more teams would go back to being independent. Miami, Penn state being from Tennessee. I would rather see Notre Dame join the ACC or sec. Agree with the ACC part. I want no part of Notre Dame joining the SEC. Yeah, no yeah, part of that. Yeah. But definitely, definitely like the other part, um, the ACC part. I mean, look, if I had to pick a conference that was already existed, that would be the one I would choose. And I've yeah, felt too. that way for a while. Now, part of that is because I'm from Virginia, sure. But I also think, again, there's a lot of other good reasons. It was the Big um, East for me before the yeah. Big East went away. Um, yep. But then it became the ACC for me. Uh, we got another yep. super chat, Brian. Yep, Corey D., Brian, you mentioned being a b-ball fan in the late '80s and early '90s. I'm a Pistons fan. Isaiah Thomas is the greatest true point guard ever. You agree? No, I do not agree. Well, that was a fast. Uh, no, I don't agree. Um, Isaiah Thomas was a great player, obviously, but is he the greatest true point guard ever? No. Uh, I mean, Magic, I think, was a true point guard. But if you want to say Magic was in a true point guard, I mean, Oscar Robertson averaged a triple double one year. I mean, that's hasn't happened a lot you know bob Cousy has like 47 rings as a true point guard i mean number one i i, I think it's impossible to compare eras right so i'm kind of being a bit hyperbolic by bringing up bob Cousy and oscar robertson because it was different eras but no i i don't even if it was a guarantee that isaiah thomas was the best pure point guard of that era but i understand why you would think that because sure. you're a pistons fan and and he won you two championships and he's certainly <laughs> in the conversation but he would not be my choice as the best pure point guard. Um, but Isaiah was Isaiah is a very underrated player, I feel also, because he wasn't very well liked. Right, right. And uh, I think there's a lot of people like me that don't respect what the bad boys brought to basketball. It made it an ugly – it made it, it – like basketball was physical in the 80s, but they took it to where like it was a like borderline level, felony assault. 
you know, the way that they played. And it, and it took a very artistic game and made it ugly, in my opinion. And that's about when I stopped watching basketball is, is the bad boys just made the game unbearable. Um, and of course, then I thought, you know, the, the greats retired, bird retired, magic retired and all that kind of stuff. And I just stopped really caring much about the NBA. Uh, but, um, and I, I didn't watch a single minute of the NBA this year, to be completely honest with you. But, uh, yes, like I was getting ready to watch the finals and then that whole soap opera about Maria. T- and I was just like, oh, I'm so sick of this. I just want to watch sports, you know, yeah, I know. Just, right. I want to watch sports. I don't want to deal with this, but no, Isaiah was a great player. Sure. Um, I just, I just, I, I, and I'm probably part of that too. The reason I'm saying no is my bias of, I just don't like them. And I don't like the bad boys. I'm sure you could make a stats plus argue, plus championships argument that would, would make it. Yeah. Okay. That's a good argument. It's, but I still don't like them. <laughs> you know, that kind right. of thing. So honesty, I like which it. Is a, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, I'm back up in here. So Brent mm-hmm. says, we were talking about traditions at Notre Dame. The player walk and slapping the play like a champion sign is amazing. Legendary knowing who all has taken that walk and slapped that sign just gives you goosebumps. I will say going into the locker room um, and, and going down that stairwell and, and things like that, like it's you're, he's absolutely right. I mean, it, it does give you goosebumps. No question. I don't get in that. awe very often of things, but um, – yeah. The sign going down the steps. I've yeah. only done it once. Uh, it was at a coach's clinic. It was like wow. Like yeah, when you, like you said, when you think of all the players that have taken that exact walk. Yes, it's humbling. Yeah, and and, humbling. and 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 kudos to Notre Dame for not screwing that up when they updated the stadium. Um, they they kept the feel of the locker room. They kept the walk. They kept the play. You know, they they kept mm-hmm. a lot of the tradition stuff, um, which I I personally appreciate. Um, yeah. Uh, Chief Brody says, I can't specifically remember a Notre Dame-Purdue game for the life of me. I'm 24, so maybe they just haven't played in a minute. They, well, they played in 2014. They played um, Notre Dame and Purdue played in 2014. I think the last time they played was 2014, right? It's, uh, Tommy Gunn says the Shamrock Series 2014. Yeah, in Indy, right. Yeah. And um, they played a – They played a, in 2012, they played a good game too. But, I mean, if he's 24, that's almost 10 years ago now. So he would have been a little young, but that's True. a game where Tommy Reese came off the bench late and led Notre Dame on a hit Robbie Toma on an outcut. And then I think he hit Theo on a, on a wheel ride out of the backfield. a couple big plays in that game. And they won that game by touchdown. But yeah, I mean, they used to have some really good games like way back in the day. Um, I mean, there's Purdue beat era a few times, I believe back then too. So. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, Michelangelo said, uh, you left out the most underrated point guard of our time, John Stockton, all-time assistant, steel leader, and all-time jazz. But here's the thing. I just didn't have enough to say about it. But here's the thing, though. Up. John Stockton is a great player. He's a Hall of Famer. But the question wasn't underrated. It was, is he is he better than Isaiah? John Stockton's a great player. Is he better than Isaiah? I, I, don't, I don't think he was, right? I mean, Hall of Famer, dream teamer, you know, played in the NBA Finals a couple times. But that's another part of it. He has zero rings. Isaiah has two. You know, and I do think championships matter to a degree. But uh, and the, you know, I so I you know I think John Sox was a great player. I, is he the best pure point guard of all time? I don't think so. He'd have to. Have, I mean, he could score, but he wasn't a scorer. And to me, you had to have that ability to be considered the the greatest of all time. But you know, John Sox was a great player, no question about it. Jeff Perry says the Irish have actually played Michigan State more times than Michigan. A lot more times. Is 77 to 43. Yeah. 
Does he have a follow-up to that? Yeah, it's a couple of downs. It sounds to me like Michigan State is a bigger rivalry than Michigan. Jeff, I'm with you. I've been saying yeah. this for a long time. I would rather play Michigan State or Purdue than Michigan. I have no interest in playing Michigan. And there, Chief there Brody says I'd rather play yeah. Purdue and Michigan State. Don't he'd rather play Perdon't in Michigan State, State than Perdon't. Michigan. Yeah, I, I have yeah. no no interest in playing Michigan. And they they can give whatever dumb reason they want. Oh, you're afraid. What? Whatever. Uh, John Klimek says in regards to Sonny Styles, it wouldn't hurt if Lorenzo Styles got some playing time. Just saying, I don't think one has anything to do with the well, other. I mean, would it hurt? No, it wouldn't hurt. Would it? Would it hurt? Well. Would it help? Sure, it would maybe help. Would it hurt if he doesn't play? I don't think it would hurt if he doesn't play. I mean, he'd understand. It's two different things. But I mean, I, I mean, watching your brother play in a Notre Dame uniform wouldn't wouldn't not. It's not going to hurt. I it's just don't just know. It's not going to. It's not going to move the needle. If he's right. if he wants to go to Ohio State and Lorenzo's a freshman All American, it won't. He'll still go to Ohio State. Right. Yes. It. I think what it would do, John, is maybe it would make him a little bit more comfortable making the choice he wants to make. If it if if Notre Dame is the choice that he in his heart is where he wants to go, I think seeing Lorenzo play would make it easier to say, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I don't think it would be. I don't think it would sway him from Ohio State to Notre Dame if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Big Jim Christophic looked pretty good snapping in practice clips. I had to look up his number to see who it was. Because uh, I believe that's in regards to you saying Christoph mm-hmm. is going to be groomed to be the next center, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, something we see. reported in the Irish Breakdown message yeah. boards last week. If you were a member, you would have seen that. Uh, Jay Wiki Jr., I would love to see Maryland return to the ACC strictly for basketball reasons. And strictly because of, like, you know. The D.C. area. It, the history. It's yeah. it's an ACC school. It was sure. another one of those ridiculously stupid. I even that forget was- half the time that Maryland's even in the Big Ten. Me too. That, seriously, like, I, I've literally looked at a like you know Maryland played Michigan, and I'm like, oh, Maryland and Michigan in the Big Ten ACC t- uh, you know challenge, challenge this year. Like, yeah. Oh wait, nope, regular season game. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. Uh, <laughs> all uh, the th- traditions are dying. It yeah, just exactly. bothers me. Uh, Don't regret. Sorry if I missed this, but do you think all the recent offensive line sponsorships will impact our chances with Shrouth, Rice, etc.? Maybe enough to get Hinsman or Taylor back involved. Okay, with Hinsman and Taylor, they stopped recruiting Hinsman. I still don't understand why, but they stopped recruiting Hensman. They could have had him if they wanted him. They just, whatever. They dropped the ball there. Whatever reason, they decided they didn't want him. Taylor, no, it's not going to matter when it comes to Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to get their fair share of – that line's going to get plenty of of advertisers as well. Um, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you're still going to go to the place that you think is going to help best you get to the NFL. I mean, that, that's where the yep. money is. Yep. You know, I mean, Bryce Young may make a million dollars, but you know how much he's going to make if he's a first-round NFL draft pick? A lot more than a million dollars. A lot more than that, yeah. You know, so um, you know, will, will, will it impact their chances? I, I'd be I'd be naive and foolish to say it won't impact their chances. Is it going to take a kid that doesn't want to go to Notre Dame and turn him into going to Notre Dame? No. Could it be a, everything is equal, this is the thing that puts a kid over the edge? Yeah, I think that's where it could have an impact. But sure. It's just not going to be this thing where well I, Notre Dame was third on my list, but because they you know I can eat at Mission Barbecue whenever I want, you know because the reality is, is if a kid goes to Norman Oklahoma he's eating for free forever wherever he goes anyway. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. And I think a lot of the and I look this is my opinion and I believe this is probably what is happening, but these O line sponsorships I'm pretty sure it's product based. I mean I don't think all those guys are getting money. Now I could be wrong. Maybe. 
depends, but yeah, like, it's gonna be a little bit of. I, I feel like it's free food and it's you know that kind of stuff. There, I mean, there I, will yeah, usually be, be some sort of hey, if you put this, if you put this, you know, that yeah. you use this product on Twitter, we'll pay you X number of dollars. There'll be right. some of that as well. Right. There'll be some of that as well. All right. Uh, Larry Friedel says, "Would the ACC can consider Central Florida? I think way down the line on the list to me personally. I don't know. I actually, saying. I actually personally would would." I wouldn't say like if you got Notre Dame, would that be the next school you get? But if the if the comp if the super conferences go past sixteen, I would absolutely go get Central Florida. And the reason for that is it's the biggest public school in the in the nation. And Orlando's really yeah, I did not know that. It's like over seventy thousand students go to Central Florida. Yeah, I did not know that. And it's a huge market. I mean, Orlando, you get because you get Orlando and Tampa in a lot of ways. So it would make a lot of sense to me to do that. I, I think, um, I mean, who, again, would I take them over Notre Dame or Penn state? Of course not. But would I take them over, you know, maybe some Maryland or some, I mean, consider it, you know, it's a huge market and, and they would immediately get relevance that, I mean, they've already earned some respect to a degree, but they would immediately get relevance because they'd now be a power five team. So I'd, I'd consider it. They'd be in my list of five or six schools. I would definitely want to have a conversation. Now I need to see the facilities and you know their economic plan, and there's be a lot of things I need to see that goes into sure. bringing a league on. But in regards to the things that we've talked about, being in a big market, that that's certainly one of the things that factors into that, in my opinion. A lot of conversation about conference realignment. We we've talked about a lot of this, so I wasn't necessarily going to throw it up. But if you see something. In that 230 to 240 range, uh, feel free to throw that up, Brian. Vince, did you get the text that I sent you? I did. Okay. Yes, I did. Are, are you practiced? Are you ready to say this correctly? Oh, gosh. Uh, see, I hate this, but go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. D. McAnally. 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 Okay. There you go. McAnally. <laughs> It's going to roll off the tongue. Okay. McAnally. Uh, hopefully Vince can pronounce my name properly today. D McAnally. Uh, coach, you stated that you don't want to see Kyle on offense because you are concerned about uh, his safety, not his position safety, his physical safety. Uh, if Kyle played special teams, doesn't that increase injury? That's not the kind of injury risk I'm referring to, though. This is a good question. Uh, look, there's the more you play, there, it always it's like with anything, it increases your risk of injury. If he plays 80 snaps a game instead of 70 on defense, that increases his chances to be injured. What I'm more referring to is the nature of offense versus defense and special teams. So on special teams, Kyle is the he's the hitter. Yes. Right? He is the one seeking contact. Right. There are rules about how you can hit him. You can't hit him from behind. You can't you can't do things to him because he is a defender. You can't you there's certain rules and that you can't do certain things to him. He is also the one seeking out contact. When you are a receiver, it's a different deal. You see, people are seeking out to hit you. Um, you can hit a, a receiver in the back if he catches the football. You can go low through a receiver's knees and tackle him if you want to. You do that when he's on defense. It's A lot of times it's an it's an illegal cut because they've got right. rid of a lot of the cut rules, right? right? So the other thing about special teams is he's going to be practicing special teams most likely a whole lot more than he's going to be practicing offense. And part of injury prevention is being able to play with the necessary technique and the experience of knowing how to take a hit. Like literally, Vince, I would practice and pra- with my receivers. We would practice on properly catching and rolling 
sure. you know, when you catch the ball low. So that way you don't catch it and not only drop the ball, but then you don't land on, on, on the ball where you could then injure yourself. You know, you practice on, on getting cut, you know, when, when, when you play on defense, when on offense, you practice on, on cutting. There are things that you do to practice to protect yourself when you're going down and you're going to land things to do and not to do when you, when you're catching a high ball. Right, you know, and you, pra- um, and you practice. Yeah. You practice taking a hit. If while you're going down, and, don't put your, yeah. don't extend your arm and let your arm be the brunt of your fall. If you're a receiver that gets flipped up in the air, just, just protect the ball and let your pads protect you. Right. right, you practice those things, and we would go get like one of the track pads. You know that guys would, you know, you, you know, like the the pole vault, the mm-hmm. you know the the high jump thing. Hits. We'd practice yeah. certain things on that, you know, to protect them from learning. But you know, he's not doing that. If he's playing receiver, and that—that's what I'm talking about, and and it's a very good question, but it's just—it's a completely different. Being the hitter and the hitty are two completely different things, and that one exposes you to more injury if you're not used yeah, to knowing absolutely. how to take those kind of things. Uh, Sean Rogers, which freshman running back gets more touches this year? I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. I, I mean, we'll we'll find out in fall camp. I think they're both going to battle for for opportunities. No question about it. I don't think it's a given that – I think a lot of people assume that Audric Estime is going to be that. I don't think that's a given. He could be, but I don't think it's a given. Bob Sacamano, this is the most interesting offseason I can recall. Freeman, NIL, conference realignment, et cetera, and Irish breakdown yeah. is all It's over. certainly been the most busy – no that's doubt. For sure. This, this is not a normal June, July. Mm-hmm. Number one, with recruiting in June, doesn't happen like that. July with the NIL and everything else going conference on. Realignment, conference yeah, realignment. Conference realignment. Yeah. Plus, I, Notre Dame's I, got a chance to be pretty good this year. Yes. Well, that, yeah. that, that makes it a little bit more fun to talk about yeah. uh, as well. So that, that makes things nice for us. Uh, Bricky Lee says, imagine Notre Dame, Clemson, FSU, UNC, Virginia, Duke on the Atlantic side versus USC, Oregon, UCLA, Stanford, Washington, and Arizona on the Pacific side. That's like a made up conference, right? I mean, that, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, are you booting like half the ACC out? And well, half the no. This is a, 12 I'm, too, I'm trying right? to ask a legitimate question yeah. with Bricky. I'm not. I'm not making. I'm not taking a shot. It may come across that way. I'm at. Is your proposal? You're basically booting out half the ACC and the Pac-12. But the the point here being, a lot of the Pac-12 would leave. Or are what you're saying is this is a super duper conference where it's like a 15 team Eastern and a 15 team Western or something like that. That's what I'm trying to ask because uh, you're not just going to start booting out a bunch of teams from your league to make this kind of conference because I mean the, the cost of travel alone for every other non-football sport would be enormous. Cause the thing is Notre, a football team only has to travel out that far like twice a year. It's for one trip. Basketball yeah. is going to have to do it. What? Six times. Yeah. Um, right. You know, lacrosse, soccer, you know, all those kind of things. It's, it's, it's just, it's, I don't know how that would work. To to be that big of a difference, you know, you know, it'd be it'd be tough. And, you know, and look, we had our our conference yesterday, but again, there's a little bit more Midwest to the to a lot of that. You know, Northeast Midwest, uh, and and not you know, UCLA and USC were the only really way out west teams. You know, Denver, Salt Lake, again, is kind of close to that other league. I mean, so it's not completely out there, but more the question for me would be, what about all the other teams in the leagues? Yeah, because I'm assuming he you know he meant like 
there's going to be more than five teams in the East. I'm just saying, like, what what, are you looking to kind of just have two massive, massive sides? Yeah. Or would you would you propose kind of getting rid of some teams or or potentially, uh, Bricky, are you looking to say, okay, we're thinking some teams are going to get poached by other leagues? That I guess would be another possibility. We do have another super chat, Ben. Super chat from John A. One. If Notre Dame joined the ACC to form a super conference, yeah. Well, who would be the 16th team? West Virginia, Penn State, Maryland, or, or another team? Uh, what would you What would you prefer? Penn State's my number one. Those are three options. All three of those would be options sure. for me. Penn sure. State would definitely be my number one. Those would be three options for me. Honestly, I'd have UCF in probably my top five. That's crazy. Just to, I didn't just to get into that Orlando Everything market. you said, but yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, but they wouldn't be at the very, very top of my list, to sure. be honest with you. Because, But, you know, I... It's like if you're just looking at it from sports, you say, okay, would you try to poach South Carolina from the SEC? Well, that would make sense for Clemson, but does South Carolina really move the needle for you all, uh, you know, financially in any short, shape, form, or fashion? Probably not. Do you strictly sit, stick to some sort of geographical thing? Or because I've heard that the ACC reached out to Texas and Oklahoma. Well, to me, at that point in time, you're just you're just looking for money grab. Well, if you're going to do that, then flip and bring USC into the mix or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, those are the things I'd be very curious about to, to see how that's going to be. Okay, fine. Um, but that would be an interesting one. I mean, but but would anybody in LA give a rip about them being in the ACC? I don't think so. I don't and know. That, that would make no sense. I mean, you literally would have every road game you'd have would be across going country. across three time zones to play. Yeah, yeah that's not, Every not single great. one. And you got to think about the other sports too. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, football wise, it wouldn't it wouldn't, wouldn't be a big of a deal. They're used to traveling a lot. Um, sure. sure. It just to me, it just doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yep. It, it it really doesn't. I just I I would somewhat stick to the regional thing, and and sure. Penn State would be an option for me. Penn's of that list right there. Penn State would probably be my number one. Maryland would be my number two. West Virginia would be my number number three. Uh, I'd probably look at UCF ahead of West Virginia. Just of what I know about that institution, because again, what market are you getting mm. for West Virginia? Uh, right. Cincinnati would be one I'd consider. Uh, that would be a program I would consider. Um, uh, yeah, I'd look into Cincinnati. To Orlando. I wouldn't mind going to Orlando for an away yeah. game. So there, there's okay just the, 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 I'd say those three teams plus UCF and Cincinnati. Just again, just off the top of my head. Sure. You know, I, I probably could do some research and maybe come up with a couple other teams that would make more sense and, and would be better options. But just off the top of my head, John, I think those would be the five that I'd probably look at. One more. John, John Rich, also with Super Chat. Oh, Appreciate nice, that John. very, very, very much, John. Very Thanks, much. John. John is also a member of our Irish Breakdown message board. Yeah, he uh, is. John also asked a question to each of you. What was the first in-person Notre Dame game you attended, and what are your memories of that day? <sighs> You've I'll, talked about yours. My, mine is my, – yeah. my, I attended the Notre Dame-USC game from 07. It was a terrible game. Uh, they wore those ugly throwback green jerseys. The quarterback for Notre Dame played terrible. They got shut out 37 nothing. but it is a day I'll never forget because it's the day that I watched my first Notre Dame game in person with my dad, who's the reason I became a Notre Dame fan. So, um, And it was because I was, at the time, I had just started writing for, for Mike Frank at ISD. I was doing some recruiting stuff. Uh, and and I was going, I was walking around and I had my, my brother-in-law who just married, got married to my sister. They just got married the year before and a friend of his who grew up a Notre Dame fan. And, uh, somebody recognized me. I don't know how, cause I never, they never seen me, but maybe my voice and was, was like, kind of like, Hey, that's, you know, that's coach D and the look on my dad's face at that moment was kind of cool, you know? 
Um, so that memory, I'll always remember that. And I've, I've used that to kind of, uh, erase the fact that once the game started, it was pretty freaking terrible, <laughs> but that was, that was the memory that I'll always have. It's just, um, being there with my dad and, you know, because he played such a role in me being a Notre Dame fan to begin with. So that's my memory. How about you, Vince? Well, I'm, I'm working on, cause you're to from out. here, right? So it's a little it's, bit different. For it's you. a lot different for me. Um, I, I know, <clears throat> excuse me. I know I was in high school, uh, for my first game. Uh, that's a fact. And I want to say it was the fall of uh, 1995 uh, because I was a freshman in high school and I, I was friends with a kid uh, in my high school who, you know, whose parents had season tickets. And that was <clears throat> crazy to me that that was a possibility. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I want to say it was probably like the Vanderbilt game, uh, which would be the third game of the season. Uh, where and and I remember Notre Dame won big, and so they beat Vanderbilt forty-one to nothing. And of course, as a stupid high school kid, what we did most of the time was just walk around. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like walk the concourse, look for mm-hmm. our friends. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Because right. you're a stupid kid, and it's like I I didn't I didn't have an awesome moment like with my dad, like you did. Like that is, I was the spoiled kid who got to go with a buddy. Like spent the night at his house, and we got up early, went to the game. And he'd been to so many games, it wasn't special to him anymore, mm-hmm. right? And so I was just like, oh, I'll just go with this And guy. you were at that age where you were more concerned about seeing cute girls than you were yes. about watching a football 100%. game. 100%. So yeah, yes. I, and so that was – I wouldn't it, say spoiled. I'd say I'd say blessed. Like, 100% blessed. Yeah. So my, so my recollection is a lot different um, of my first game. But, uh, yeah. So then I started working – the games and they became way more relevant and important to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was in the 04 season. Yeah. So probably Gregory not a Gilbert story, but has another huge super chat. I appreciate yeah. you sharing that Vince. Appreciate you sharing it. Gregory yeah. Gilbert with the super chat. Gregory, I appreciate that. Very, very, very awesome. Much. Thanks man. That um, is- everybody that gave super chats today. Really, Great. really appreciate y'all very, very much. Um, Greg, Gregory also says, me being the diehard Notre Dame fan, I wish for the state of Michigan to fall off in the Great Lakes and Indiana gets a bunch of lakefront property. <laughs> That's fantastic. Wow. That is fantastic. I don't want that, that to happen because I have family that lives in Michigan. Um, oh, maybe just so awesome. maybe Michigan secedes and goes and joins Canada. I'm be cool with that. There you go. Um, that's fine. Uh, but they only get like half. We'll take the bottom half and just call it Indiana. And yeah, then, uh, take the bottom because you, you know the way front. that the counties sit up in Michigan, like there's just this row of counties, yes. right? They just yeah, right there in the south. Just, we'll take those, and then the rest of the state can yeah, yeah. I like it. I like. It. There's yeah. a lot of wonderful right things south of Michigan. Ann Arbor. Cut the cut it off. Yes. everything below, and then there everything above. So we got a lot of lakefront property there. That'd be yeah. good. Be good news. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about Lou Holtz's comment about uh, what you know. Two bad things happen. You know when you throw the ball. He said, uh, Michael Krause said, Holtz stole that saying from Woody Hayes. Well, at least that uh, one makes more sense than three yards in a cloud of dust, which means you're going to be fourth and one the whole flipping game. <laughs> Still stupid. I'll never understand. Uh, Laker Irish is, wants to hit your uh, history on recruiting. Uh, he says, what, what is one recruit from the last five to ten years that we did not get that you think could have changed the game for us? Oh, man. Uh there's random questions like I know because there's just so many different guys you know that I think through and I I would say like that Notre Dame had to be in on right I mean they had to I mean it's just not like oh if they'd have got Trevor Lawrence right um I mean I guess the guy that I would say is a guy that they got but it's no longer here and plays quarterback somewhere else (laughs) 
I mean, that's fair. <laughs> Does that count? That's fair to uh, me. You know, honestly, I'd have to go back and look at that. I, I'd have to go back and look at that. So, uh, Sid Irish just had one. He said, Eddie Vanderdose. I'm Ooh. very curious what, what that D-line would have looked like with Sheldon Day. Yeah. With Jerron Jones, with Eddie Vanderdose, with Romeo Cuara. Yeah. That would have been a really interesting one. Because that 2015 season, he would have been a he would have been a um, junior that season. He'd still be around. Yeah. That would have been an interesting one. I'd have to think about that one. I'd probably go with there's some, been some really good corners. Uh, A.J. Terrell. That's what I'm going to go with. AJ Terrell. And I'm gonna tell you a little story about that one. Now that it just it just hit me. So AJ Terrell visited Notre Dame with his dad, and he liked Notre Dame a lot. Academics were important to him and his family. Liked Notre Dame a lot. Uh, obviously, he was he he knew Derek Allen. That family, you know, Derek was close. Uh, Derek loved Notre Dame. AJ Terrell. Derek was older, obviously than than uh, or AJ was older than Derek, uh, obviously, but. Um, he visited Notre Dame thinking, I really like this place. I want to see what it's like. He met Brian Van Gorder. And after his conversation, Brian Van Gorder said, I'm never going to Notre Dame. That's a fact. Like he liked Notre Dame a lot. Would they have all ultimately got him? What? Maybe one not. conversation with a coach and you're like, no, I said that, that, that recruit the conversations during that visit. Oh my God. It wasn't just one conversation. It was more of his experience with Van Gorder during the visit was like, yeah, I'm not looking at them. Uh, I, I would not include Lorenzo Booker in that conversation because Lorenzo Booker was never as good of a player as, as he was a big time recruit, but he was never a great player. Uh, Ronald Darby is one, but again, I, the reason I wouldn't say necessarily Ronald Darby, because the time during which Ronald Darby was here, Notre Dame had pretty good corners. You know, like for example, 2012, they had Bennett Jackson and and uh, and Kavari Russell. They're pretty good. They didn't yeah. lose to Alabama because of the corners. Uh, you know, 2013, 2014, would the corners have made much of a difference? I don't think it would have. I think had AJ Terrell come to Notre Dame during the time that he would have been at Notre Dame, that could have made a difference. 17 and 18, for example, yeah. against the team yeah. that he went <laughs> where he went. No, yeah. I mean, that- could have been yeah. made a huge difference. Yeah, huge. that could. Yeah, that could have. That could have made a, a big yeah. difference. So that's the one off the top of my head that I'm gonna. I'm okay. gonna go with. Uh, and then somebody said Omar Hunter. Uh, that was also the question was last five to ten years. Omar Hunter was much much more than ten years ago. Yeah, that's true. So uh, I, I like the Eddie Vanderdose one, and I and I like the AJ Terrell one. I think those are two that I really like. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring. The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Chief Brody wants to comment on your love of the Pacific uh, theater uh, in World War II. He says, it's really interesting because for me, the European campaign was more enjoyable mm -hmm. to learn about. In my opinion, D-Day is one of the most important days in human history. Well, the reason – so the European campaign was really fascinating as well, but the European campaign was not an American campaign per se. It was – I mean, you had England obviously was part of it. You, you know, France was finally being liberated and all that kind of stuff. The reason I look at the Pacific because, yes – Australia and, and Britain fought battles, naval battles in the Pacific, right? Especially around Australia and New Zealand. But the thing was, is Notre Dame was never. Okay. So like there's reports that Germany was like, you know, had some U-boats off the East coast, but like there was never any fear of them invading the United States, Germany, right? If Midway doesn't go the way that it went, there's legitimate fear that the Japan's next stop was the West coast of the United States. Right. Yes. Because they already blown up Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor was in trouble. And, you know, and they, they were, they had five carriers at Midway, correct? Uh, here here right. you saw you, the Kaga, um, there's two more. And, and no, they sunk four that day, I believe, right? U.S. had three carriers left, basically. They had the Hornet, they had the Enterprise, and the Yorktown. The Yorktown was was banged up in a previous battle, and and um, it had it miraculously got, was able to get fixed enough to fight. There was a couple of things that went their way. So Japan thought they sunk two of the three carriers because they sunk, they hit the Yorktown bad early in that, that battle of Midway. But the the repair team for the for the Yorktown, and this is something I studied when I was young, and then they portrayed it in the movie, the most recent movie, which is really good. But Japan found the Yorktown again, but because they had already put the fires out and repaired it so quickly that Japan didn't realize it was the Yorktown. So when they struck the Yorktown again, they thought the U.S. only had one carrier left, but they had two. They had Enterprise and Hornet still left. And, and then, of course, we know the stories there. But, like, there was nothing keeping Japan from the western coast of the United States. Because remember at the time, the, the, military, the, the Navy was still a battleship-oriented Navy. We didn't real the midway is what really let them realize how impactful carriers could be. And so then they just started mass producing carriers at that point in time. And that's when the, you know, the carriers are what ultimately won the battle because Japan couldn't reproduce carriers the way that we did. And when we decimated their, their carrier fleet, because the Chicago and the Shuikako, I think is what those, uh, they were being repaired from battle before, but they were basically out of their, their top carriers were, were gone after midway. Whereas the U.S. lost one carrier and was already producing more or started producing more, a lot more after that. We were a battleship or in a Navy until we until we saw what could happen to the carriers and our battleships were destroyed in a lot of parts in in uh, Pearl Harbor. The benefit of Pearl Harbor was is that carriers were all gone. The carriers were out. They weren't in the harbor. It was just the destroyers and the battleships and all that kind of stuff. And they did major damage on Battleship Row, obviously. But just so many different, like, what if the carriers weren't out? I mean, we were so utter, utterly unprepared oh, to, to fight our, to fight off the Pearl Harbor attack, like was, right? Yeah. If the carriers were there, they're the biggest target. They're the biggest, easiest target. If, if a carrier's just sitting in port, it's yeah. the easiest target. If it's if it's not being defended, you know, because you wouldn't have been able to get the anti-aircraft fire up on time and all that kind of stuff. So what happens if that goes on? I mean, there's just so many things. And if 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 that doesn't go that way and if Midway doesn't go the way that it did and the crack in the code and all that other kind of stuff, the next stop is the West Coast United States, right? And yeah. Japan showed in, in, in China that when they would invade, they do horrible things. 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't just occupying territory. It was horrible things. And so uh, that's why I think that was such a fascinating one is because it was just us versus them for the most part. Right. And in Europe, it was Britain and, and there was there was we had allies helping the fight. Right. And but as far as some of the the other thing, too, is I was always fascinated by the naval battles. Be, you know, because, I mean, you're striking enemies you can't see. Right. Yeah. That's the other fascinating thing where. Like my grandfather uh, fought in the Ardans. Like my grandfather fought in the in the Battle of the Bulge, and um, it was just something he never liked to talk about too. So it's like when you start talking about like those those kind of battles, it's like it's a different if it's a different deal uh, because that's when you start talking about the human cost, even more so than you think about with the the naval battles. So anyway, those are just some. You get me talking about history, I totally nerd out, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, they were both fascinating, but I just always felt like the reason the Pacific battle always interests me was number one, it was the the naval aspect of it, but also the fact that we were we were the Battle of Midway, losing the Battle of Midway away from Japan, having nothing to between it and um in the West Coast of the United States. Because uh, part of the problem too is why we were low on carriers. The three carriers were all we had in the Pacific. That weren't the only three carriers the United States had. It's just the others were in the in the Atlantic and there was no way they were going to get over to no the, way. to the, to the West coast before Japan got there. And so it was just so fascinating, just that whole, that whole story. And then if Japan invades the, the West, the West coast, we have to pull a lot of our resources out of Europe to then protect sure. our homeland. So there's just so many things that were fascinating about, about that. But, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I still, I still, you know, the, the, whether it's actually happened or not, but the, the quote that, that about Yamamoto after Pearl Harbor, like my fears that all we've giant, done yeah. is we've woken up a sleeping giant. Yeah, exactly. But had, had Pearl, had Midway not gone the way it did. And had they not caught some luck at Pearl Harbor with the carriers being out, we would have eventually still won the war. Japan could never beat the United States. It just militarily, they didn't have the size, uh, they couldn't handle it. They couldn't beat us when it came to production, but it would have been so much more devastation and we would have had a much harder fight had they actually won midway and got to the West coast. You know what I mean? So that's the fascinating part about it, but it doesn't mean that the East that, you know, D day was, I mean, some of my favorite stories are just before we even got involved. There's some great stories from Britain about things that they would do to, you know, that they want. I saw something on Twitter. I don't know if this is true or not, but apparently the Germans built like this fake wooden army, kind of like what the what the U.S. or what the what the um, the, the uh, Allied military did to them. They built this built this fake force. It was like balloon tanks and stuff like that, and it acted to try to a part of a ruse. I think it might have been associated with D Day, but apparently Germany did that. But Britain knew what happened. And the tweet I saw yesterday, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is the kind of psyops that happened during that war. So when they finally finished it, Britain flew over and dropped a wood just one wooden bomb in the middle of it, like. Like it wasn't even a bomb. It's just like a, you know what I mean? Like, and the tweet said, you know, there's trash talk and then there's this, <laughs> you know what I mean? But just so much of the fascinating aspects of those, of those, of those battles and those wars. And then, but then also you think of the human cost, not just the the soldiers, but you know, I mean, they were firebombing towns and, and both sides, you know, and, and, uh, and obviously with, with what happened with the Jews during that time, it's a, it's a, um, it's fascinating, but it's not like exciting. Like, ooh, I love talking about that because it was a it was a devastating period in human history. But it was also fascinating in, in a lot of ways for someone who studies history and studies military history and 
just all the different aspects of it. So the only period I like studying more is the revolutionary period. That's the only period of history that I enjoy more. Now you're talking. All right. Uh, back to Notre Dame. Let's see here. Uh, Rage quit says, uh, do you think Notre Dame will do what it takes to keep Freeman in South Bend? All I can say is I hope so. Hope so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hope and, so. and I would have to think that they didn't put as much into getting him here to then just let him walk out the door. Right. Yeah. I good point. Think. Yeah. Uh, Nick Anderson says it's all about the quarterback position. When's the last first round quarterback? Brady Quinn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 2007 draft, right? Yep. Yep. Brady Quinn. And the second highest after that was Deshaun was a two that was a second round pick yeah. in 2017. And then obviously this past year, Ian Book, those are the only three drafted Notre Dame quarterbacks. Oh, no. Jimmy Clausen was also a second round pick. Okay. So, yeah, that, that would and, be it. And Rick Meyer. But that was, I'm talking about since Brady. Oh. Rick Meyer was the number two overall pick yeah. back in 1993. Yeah, exactly. Laker Irish, not necessarily Notre Dame related, but how do you rank the top six NFL quarterbacks drafted this year? Trevor Lawrence, Wilson Fields, Jones, uh, Kellen Mond, and Mills. Uh, where they drafted? Where they drafted in the order that you expected? The order I expected, yes, but that's only from the standpoint of I just I'm, I'm a fan of the draft, and you see that the Wilson was going to go second. I would not have taken Wilson second. Uh, I pro- my second favorite quarterback was Trey Lance who didn't get mentioned there. He was picked third by the Niners. I would have taken – he was my second favorite quarterback, but I don't know if I'd have taken him second because he's such an unknown. Yeah. He started oh, yeah. one year at the FCS level. There were games that they won. I think the national title game that year, I, I think that he he threw like 10 passes in the national title game. Uh, I, I'm going to look that up here because they were just so dominant. He didn't really have to put that team on his shoulders. And and now the town, I mean, he's smart, he's big, he's athletic, he has an arm. Uh, he's a very, very talented player, but he had never, he was never forced to carry that team. I'm pulling up his 2019 stats. Now he's only a starter for one year. The national championship game, he went six of ten for 72 yards. And he rushed for he ran for 166 yards and such, but he didn't he didn't throw a whole lot that game. I'm looking at it now. He had one game that year of over 300 yards. He only had two, three, four games that whole year of over 200 yards passing. So, I mean, he's such an unknown commodity. I couldn't have taken him second. I would have taken Justin Fields second, but that, you know, and then Trey Lance would have been third. Uh, I would have, I would have taken Zach Wilson fourth just because I think, I think Mac Jones is more of a sure thing, but Zach Wilson does have tremendous physical tools. Uh, and then Mac probably probably would have been my fifth quarterback. I I, I still don't think he has the, the the arm strength to be in the NFL, but he could end up proving me wrong. I probably I wouldn't have predicted he'd have done what he did last year. Of that second group of quarterbacks, I would have taken a flyer on on Davis Mills. I think Davis Mills has got NFL talent. He's just been he's been injured, and I think getting him in the third round, he he's a potential first round caliber player. Had he come back to college this year. He he'd be battling to be one of the top quarterbacks taken next year if he would have stayed healthy, but he couldn't stay healthy, and that was the big knock. But when he played, I thought he was a pretty good quarterback and didn't have a lot of help around him. So uh, he's I'm not a big Kevin Kellen Mond fan. I wouldn't have taken Ian Book where he got picked. I think both of those guys got taken too high. Uh, but Kel- Davis Mills in the third round for Houston made a lot of sense. Made a lot of sense. Uh, Rob Titoff, Brian and Vince, I know this is off topic, but can you see Monty Williams as the future hoops coach at Notre Dame? I, he was off my radar before, you know, the playoffs and the finals. Um, and one thing I do like about the NBA finals is they, you know, they put the camera in the locker room and you hear him during, you know, timeouts and things. I feel like his 
uh, demeanor could be very good with college players, uh, mm-hmm. especially at Notre Dame. And obviously he went to Notre Dame. So, I mean, you've got that whole side of it. He understands what Notre Dame is and all of those different things. I would not be upset if he was on the short list to be Notre Dame's next head coach. I don't know why he would do it. Well, I, I mean, I don't, you know, yeah, I mean, sure. but, but, but yeah, I mean, a couple things about, about, um, about Monty Williams. Number one, he's obviously shown he's got the coaching chops, but number two, and it, it's before, like we've seen a lot of stories come out since they made their run about the kind of man he is. Right. This is something Notre Dame people have known for a long time. Yeah. You're not going to find a better human being than Monty Williams. Uh, a more inspirational story. I mean, lost his wife. Right. I mean, his to battle family. back from that. It was his, um, his daughters too, right? Yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, it was tragic. And to absolutely. see him ba- battle back from that, um, a phenomenal, phenomenal person and he showed this year he's got basketball chops too uh which you know he's had some success in the in the amy's coach before but now you really see it so yeah i mean it'd be awesome if they, he could come back to notre dame i just i mean you just led your nba team where you don't have to recruit to the <laughs> nba finals well, you do a little bit you know but yeah, you, you've got a couple young stars to build around in devin booker and deandre anton uh, or ayton deandre ayton i don't know why you would come to notre dame Sure. You know, um, but if it, if he was if he was like, hey, I like if because like Jawan Howard at Michigan, they've had NBA teams that come out. He's like, look, I'm not I, this. This is my this is my people. This is my school. This is my home. Right. Like, this is where right. I want to be. If he had that kind of thing and he wanted to go back to college, then heck yeah, I'd be all about that. Yes, but I just I don't I don't I don't I doubt. I mean, just this is my opinion. I don't have any knowledge on any sources. Just no, my opinion. Gosh, no. I, don't, yeah. I don't see why he would why he would do that. But if he was willing to do that when Mike Bray retires, if 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 he wanted that job. There'd be no interview process. There'd be no. <laughs> there'd be no. Hey, HR, we have to. Hire. No, you can. You, you know, this is who we're hiring, right? Yeah. Like you I, want the job. If I'm here's Jack a piece Warbrick, of paper. You write how run. much we got to pay yeah. you. Right. <laughs> right. Seriously, <laughs> and we're good. Uh, look, we're I, good. if I'm Jack Swarbrick, I'm I'm making that phone call. Yeah. Like that that phone call is happening. Right. You know, but right. whether that's receptive on the other end. Right. It's a whole other conversation. Uh, Tommy Gunn said something real quick. He said, yeah, uh, that, don't forget yeah. Japanese troops landed on Alaska. That was the Aleutian Islands. The fascinating thing about that is that was the Japanese ruse. They attacked the Aleutian Islands to try to distract us away from Midway. But we already knew Midway was their target. So that's why we didn't we didn't get distracted. But uh, that's why I said the mainland, right? That you know, That's why it was clear to say the mainland because, yeah. So anyway, just wanted to add that in there. <laughs> Uh, Andrew, oh, wait, did you just put that up? Yeah, I, I we both clicked on it. I got it. Now go. Oh, thank you. <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, Andrew Goss says, I think we have a high chance at Rice. So there you they go. Got, they got a better chance now than they did before the visit. I mean, they, they, yeah. they've got it. They're, they're, look, they got a puncher's chance. And this is what we said about a lot of these visits. You just The visit's going to give you a puncher's chance. And if you can win some of those battles afterwards, great. But that'd be a big one. That'd be a big pickup. Uh, ND Dog ten forty five. Is there a chance in hell for a student athlete conference? Notre Dame, Stanford, USC, Northwestern, Wake, Duke, Michigan, UNC, etc. Schools that focus on graduating athletes. First Maybe. of all, I wouldn't involve UNC in that particular conversation based on their recent history of right. fake classes and things just like because that. they're a good school doesn't mean they give a rip about <laughs> academics for athletes. I don't think they're graduating their athletes the right way, but that's a you know put Vanderbilt. In, I would uh, have no interest in that. Zero personally. It'd just be zero. I wouldn't be excited. Be a good basketball league. I mean, I'm not joking. Like that'd be a really good basketball league. Yeah, I would not give a rip about that as a football conference. 
to be honest with you. Just wouldn't. Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not even going to. Oh, a school where half of their players major in general education. I'm probably not, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to look for your help here on this one. And Mark Stallman says, what is the film that is involved in team study? Uh, how is it accumulated? How is it distributed? How precise is it? It's not distributed. Uh, what, what are we talking about here? Help me out. I think he's talking about studying Notre Dame, the team. Oh, so about game film. Oh, game film. Okay, that that makes sense now. Okay. Number one, I'm at. Well, in the past, I've been at all the games, so I see it from that angle. Right. Uh, then I watch, you know, TV copy to watch the line. But then in the last year to a couple of years, I've been able to get access to some all 22 film, which is the coach's film, which you see different angles, but you can see it all. Uh, so I, I look at all that. So, um, yeah, but a lot of it's just from being at the games and seeing it in person and kind of how I did as a coach. But uh, Notre Dame doesn't distribute it. They are very, very picky about that. Um, when we did one of the um, – when we didn't know this, remember last year during the pandemic when we were doing those weekend game watches, the reason we stopped doing them is because every time we do one, somebody from Notre Dame would go put a copyright claim on it and get it kicked off of YouTube. So I was like, okay, whatever. Just yeah. Didn't work. They're out really before. ridiculous about that. Uh all right. Um William says we'll be better off going to the Big Ten if we join a conference. And then Nick responds, but joining the Big Ten makes sense from a financial angle, it makes the most money. Here's my thing. If Notre Dame goes to the ACC and then they bring in like a Penn State, Big Ten will no longer be making the most money. If Notre Dame was making decisions about money, they would not be independent. Fair. Notre Dame doesn't need the money. Notre Dame right. has an 11 plus billion dollar endowment. An extra 15 million from TV money is not is not impressing Notre Dame, okay? Right. Uh so there to me there's other than geographics which are to me not a top priority in this regards. There's nothing that the benefit, nothing that the Big Ten provides Notre Dame that Notre Dame needs. Nothing, except hockey. Yep. And somebody nothing. else, uh, Damien says SEC or bust. Ag agreed, bust. Then because I don't want Notre Dame to be a part of the SEC. Sure. So, uh, Nolan Esparza, any information on how Chris Tyree is developing as far as a bulk strength situation? He ran hard as a true freshman. Is definitely not scared of contact. I'd like to see what some good weight could add to his game. He definitely looked thicker in the spring. And some of the summer workout clips we've seen. Um, yeah, he's uh he's he's filling out. Yeah, he's filling out. Fine. And no one's point is he's not your typical scat, he's not a scat back. No, he's not a big back, but he's not a scat back. He's not a guy that's just gonna come in there and be like Kevin Falk in the NFL. You know, he's a he's a legitimate every down back. Yeah, again, every down back in a spread, meaning you know, you're not running power O 20 times. Yeah. You're running the ball 12 to 15 times a game, catching it four to five times, and and you're making big plays. Uh John A1 is Josh Lug permanently a right side player. Uh, what's the reason he was never an option for or left tackle? I just don't know if he has the consistency that you really want as a left tackle. He's never really been a guy that you just say, hey, he's got that side locked down. Uh, number one, and I and I don't know if he's got necessarily the, the foot quickness that you prefer at, at at left tackle as well. I think he's a good pass blocker. He's more of a run blocker first, pass blocker second. At left tackle, you want a guy that's more of a pass blocker first and a run blocker second. If uh, there's a preference. Oh, we got a we got a super chat. You yeah, want to grab old Grim? Yeah, there we go. 
He says, I love Friday, but it makes it hard to get work done in the shop. The history chat had me unable to do anything else. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. We may have to do a history uh, yeah. podcast at some point, Brian. No, that, we won't. Be, well, we could. <laughs> we branded it as something else. All right. Be the yeah. history breakdown. Yeah, but thanks for the super chat, old Grim. I appreciate yeah, that very much. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I don't know if you want to tackle this, but uh, Chief Brody wants to know who played the best Spider-Man. The only Spider-Man I've enjoyed was Tom Holland. I did not yeah. like Tobey Maguire and I, whoever that right. other kid was that played the middle ones. That's weird. Those were terrible. I don't even know yeah. who that kid is. Tom, but Tom Holland's Tom the only Holland, one I, I, yeah. I thought he played it like super like innocent, which I, yeah. I dug. And he had funny. a sense of humor. Like a, yeah. Oh, it's it hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I, I dug Tom Holland as Spider-Man as yeah. well. Um, yeah. Shark 425 says, I'm a little behind, but the best general ended up being from Illinois. Talking about Uly's, is he talking about Grant? Was he from Not Illinois? Sure. I don't know where he was from. I'm sorry, but Lee was still the best general. I mean, I mean, yeah. With all due respect to Ulysses, I don't even think Ulysses as Grant would think that he was the best general. <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. Where's he from? I'm trying to find it here. Where was uh, he? Was born in? He must not be talking about. Is he? Is Eisenhower from Illinois? Well. I mean, we're talking because Grant was not. War, well, so. he Grant was not from. Uh, was not from there. Is he talking about Eisen? Is I don't know. I don't keep know who he's talking about. Keep a look down there at the bottom. Let's see if general. We, unless he's thinking of Abraham Lincoln, who directed a lot of the Union stuff. Okay, too. I mean, maybe he's talking if, about that. Perhaps if that's but, the case, then he's got an argument yeah. to make because I, I will say Abraham Lincoln did a lot from the northern side. Right. I mean, he was he was sitting in his sure. office directing things. Right. Um, Fired a lot of generals. Like yes, cowards. he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure who he's referring to. I'd be curious to know, Sky Shark. I mean, it's, it's always always interesting. So, yeah, it's, I didn't think Grant was from there. Um, Eisenhower wasn't from there. So, I'm be, I mean, is he talking about, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, generals. Like, I don't know. That's a that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Mark Stallman says, can a player be with NIL be a booster at the same time? You can, but you had to run it through your company. So, I mean, that's the problem with the way – the NCAA is handling this right now is there's no rules. And right. so, yeah, a booster can be an NIL contributor. And now it's just legal to hand him a envelope of money mm -hmm. as long as he shows up, you know, for something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the problem. Uh, I, in my yeah. opinion way. Yeah. Uh, Brent says, saw a really interesting article on Notre Dame titled, is there a four-star focus at the expense of five-star targets? And have to wonder if that's true. We rock out with four star guys and whiff on five star. I'm not engaging in this conversation with Brent again. It's okay. a, it's we've had it on Facebook a million times. Gotcha. He's a stars are all that matter. Oh, look at Bama. Not taking into consideration that there's three stars that have beat out five stars. I don't care to have that conversation. Okay. Bama Bama won a national title when their two starting outside linebackers in a three four defense were two stars. And their two starting cornerbacks, Scream Jackson and Javier Arenas, the schools that Bama beat to get them were Bowling Green and Florida International. Okay. I I'm tired of having this conversation about stars. With all, I I I'm sorry, Brent. I mean, but you bring this up on Facebook all the time. I've given you all the data and evidence. If, you, if you're obsessed with stars, there's nothing I'm going to do to change that. Right. And so um, I just don't care to have that conversation again. You give me 11 Jeremiah War, Wusu Koromoa type players. I'll take them over Dylan Moses any day of the week. Dylan Moses was a five-star. Jeremiah Wusukoromo is a three-star. Um, I'm just – it is what it is. We got a lot of Alabama's debate. quarterback – hey, by the way, you know how I many – do you know how many five-star quarterbacks Alabama's landed that won national titles? Zero. 
Zero. Uh, Tony says, I always felt that Reese could read defenses and understood what they were trying to do on offense. He was just limited by talent. Do you think that that will make him a great coach? Yeah, I think that's – honestly, that's one reason why a lot of great coaches weren't great players and why a lot of great players – like, if you think about it – yeah. I mean, there's very few former great players that were also great coaches. I mean, Bill Russell won a championship as a player coach. I don't know. I don't know what kind of coach he was way before my time. But like, Larry Bird was a really good coach for a short period of time. Magic was a terrible coach. Michael Jordan's been a terrible GM. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe John Elway in football as a GM. But like, I thought Larry a lot Bird of was coaches, a decent coach. But he, I mean, he took him to more. the East. Almost beat the Bulls one yeah. year with Jordan, right? Took him to seven yeah. games, right? Yeah, exactly. so I'm saying he was a pretty good coach. But other than that, there's not many. Yeah, he's an exception. I, yeah. I agree with that. The only, the only, the only place that I've ever seen consistently great players became great coaches are catchers in baseball and offensive linemen. Uh, but a lot of times, great players don't end up becoming um, great coaches because it's kind of like you can't teach other people to do what you did. Right, where where guys that were maybe not the most physically talented become really good coaches because they have to understand the thinking part. Technique is so important, all those kind of things. So to the question about Tommy Reese, could those things make help make him a great coach? I think they can help him make him a great coach because he always had to understand the mental part of the game, how important fundamentals were. He couldn't just go out there and throw off platform a twenty five yard in cut like like you know, stud first round quarterbacks could do. He, everything had to be precise, the timing, the accuracy, the the reads, all that kind of stuff had to be on point. So he understands that. And then if you do in fact get a great talent, then there's obviously there's some things you can do with that as well. We we're talking about the recruits that you know Notre Dame didn't get that could have been a game changer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh this is a really good one. Yeah, but the question was last five to ten years. Well, that okay, good point. You're right. It was last five to ten years. I mean that, that that's that, the no brainer. I mean, yeah. if, you know, I mean, but it, the question was last five to ten years. Yeah, good call. But I still would have wondered what Ron Paulus's career would have looked like if he'd had Randy Moss. Yes, from, and and they also got James Jackson in that class too, who ended up not getting to school either and went to Miami. Was a pretty darn good player at Miami. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Jeff Perry. Okay, so I joined the message board. Love the content and the discussion. Uh, you guys do, is there more? Uh, oh, he, he just probably hit send on too early. You guys do a tremendous job. Happy to support the cause. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate that very much. Big time, big time. And it's going to be fun. I, I, I want people to join the message board to support us, obviously, but I really want people to discuss, let's talk, let's do all those kind of things. You know what I mean? That that's, um, that's part of the fun too. I enjoy mixing it up with you guys. Absolutely. I'm don't like talking about the stars things with Brent anymore. You're still my guy, Brent, but I just, I don't know what else I can say to you, man. I mean, if you already, if you believe what you believe, that's fine. I respect that, but stop asking me about it because you obviously don't agree with me, which is totally fine. But if you're going to bring it up in a conversation, then you have to at least be willing to evidence to the contrary, but you're not, which is cool. That's fine. Just like I'm, I've got my mind made up on that, which again I respect. But it's just I'm not going to keep bringing it up and having a conversation with you about it because I got my opinion. I'm not changing it. You have your opinion. You're not changing it, which is totally fine. But I'm just not going to keep hashing out. Then Matthew Edwards with another super chat. Oh, cheers, gentlemen. Keep up the great work. Thank Appreciate you, that very Matthew. much. Appreciate that, that awesome, very, man. very much. Coming in, Absolutely. coming in strong at the end. Absolutely. End ish. I don't know for the end. We'll see. Yeah. Um. A lot of talk about uh, World War II and yeah. uh, all of that. And we could talk for days about that. Uh, so 
I'm uh, holding strong on I'm putting a lot of that up because you know <laughs> we could stick to go questions. down we could go down to a oh, deep here's here's a question Vince while you're looking for that this Thank is you. not a football topic our, our numbers have gone way down as we've talked about more and more non football topics but I don't care uh, <laughs> Walter Moore asks I have a fun question which is the better trilogy Lord of the Rings or Star Wars it's not close the Lord of the Rings puts me to sleep. So Star really? Wars for me. Oh yeah. I'm the op. I love Lord I tried to watch the first Lord of the Rings three different times. Okay, the first one was a little dry. Times. I don't love the first one. You gotta get through the first one to get to the second one. I nah, mean not really. You have to have the you have to understand that the first one sets a lot of the storyline and then two and three were great. It was brutal. Yeah. Uh, see, I I didn't like necessarily some of the later some of the later Star Wars. I thought the first one was great, the second was pretty good. I didn't love the third one. The thing I like about about Lord of the Rings is it got better every time. Each one was better because it laid a foundation. You know, it built on on parts two. Fair you enough. know, one built on, it set the foundation for two, and then two laid the foundation for three. So I'd, I'd go Lord of the Rings on that one. Now, as far as fandom, like okay, I'm a Star Wars. I'd you know I'd rather be able to do Jedi mind tricks than be somebody from Lord of the Rings. But just the storyline plus you knowing that 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 uh, Tolkien was a, a Christian, there was obviously some. Uh, some Christian overtones a lot into that movie, the good versus evil thing, which I also enjoyed quite a bit as well. Uh, Sid Irish says, I have a sneaky good feeling about Nawang, but don't know why. The longer he goes without committing to T-O-S-U, the better. Agree. Absolutely. No question. Yeah. Here's one. As you're looking for things, because I know you're trying to get through those. Corey D, best joker. It's Jack Nicholson. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to uh, go down here with Sid Irish. Pretty good. I love man. Jack, but Heath killed it. Yeah, that and was, that's my exact comment right yeah. there. Is yeah. I, I did. I I really enjoyed Jack, no question. But yeah. Heath took it to a whole other yep. level, man. And yep. now, granted, I was a huge Heath Ledger fan from The Patriot because that's my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Uh, but man, he, yeah, oof, yeah he he yep. was he was like creepy in your head afterwards good like jack mm-hmm. was com- comical a little bit like you know but- it was it was honestly what it comes down to is it was tim burton versus you know a different director tim burton was kind of those dark comedies kind of sure. things and 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 that was fine jack was great in that but i mean as far as the best joker i mean I mean, uh, Heath Heath Ledger's Joker was just like oh. I mean that was that was wild. Man. He did that pencil thing where it just yeah, it was, gosh. yeah. He, it was it was like it was dark. I mean, it was yes. really dark. Yes, yeah, it was really dark. Lots. Get on the rock. The Patriot yeah. is amazing. Such an underrated movie. I agree. Thank you. Love that movie, and I would yeah. show it to my kids in school. So yeah. when I was teaching eighth grade, well, there's a lot eight. of there's not, there's a lot of history in there that's like that's eh, not really how it happened, or that's. But it's well, still a good movie. And, you know, the main character was a combination of a couple different guys. And when right. you explain it that way, but it, it honestly, it helped the kids understand just kind of how things progressed yeah. and, you know, things of that nature. And so in the good. neighbor versus neighbor thing and the fact that not yes. everybody that became a patriot was necessarily on board with seceding yes. from, or, you know, or not seceding, but, you know, declaring independence. That was a very, I'll tell you, if you like history, um, it's not a World War II history, but the John Adams stuff was incredibly oh. well done. Yes, that HBO was. documentary because they did such really a good, good job of sticking to even even the Declaration of Independence where it was actually Adams, Benjamin, uh, Franklin, and and uh, Jefferson that actually were going through the drafts. It wasn't like Jefferson just wrote it and they said here it is. They certain things that they took out knowing that you know the ramifications of it and just it was really good history. And and yes. the Patriot wasn't necessarily good history, but it was a great movie. Yeah. 
Agreed. you know that, yeah that, exactly you know that that for a patriotic person like the scene at the end where you know he grabs the flag and he's running and he's you know and i'm like okay, it's seriously yes. you know yeah no doubt when, no and, doubt you know and spoiler alerts and all that but like when his sons die like oh yeah like that's just uh, the scene where he uh has his two little boys with him and oh, after, and after like, the first son dies, small, small. And yeah, yeah, and then just like like how do you re- how do you handle when you watch your dad do what he did? Yeah, the, <laughs> and especially the younger one, he's like, right, yeah. <laughs> my dad's crazy. a farmer. Like, but the thing is, you're never gonna dis. Don't talk back. To your, you're never gonna talk back to your dad again. Right. Not that like, you ever did, but you like, definitely won't now. You don't sass me, boy. <laughs> I know what you can do. <laughs> oh, man. Tommy yeah. Gunn says, Brian, have you ever watched The Man in the High Castle on Amazon, an alternate history post-World War II if the Nazis in I've, Japan I've tried queuing it up a couple times, but I just I don't like the idea of, of Germany winning. They just well, like the whole idea of it. Like I get I it's an alternate it. universe and all that. Yeah, I just, I've never I, been I, able to actually – do it i've thought about doing it a couple yeah. times but I, did. I did watch it and it's fascinating with the alternate history you know it is it's fascinating i will say that the was there three seasons of it the third season just got really weird mm-hmm. uh, i thought the first season was really really good the second season was 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 good third season got weird on me um i i, I liked the alternate history idea but then mm-hmm. when they started traveling through time and like or through dimensions, you mm-hmm. know, from where there wasn't an alternate history yeah. and there was, and it was then just it becomes weird, total sci-fi. It, yeah. it did. But the alternate history thing, I thought I, I found it to be cool. So yeah. anyway, here's a question from get him the rock random question while we're on the topic, more fun period to study civil war or revolutionary war. It's a revolutionary war because me, to me, I don't find the civil war to be fun to study at all. I find it to be incredibly tragic, you know, uh, just the notion of the, this, the, the reasons it was fought, the manner in which it was fought in, in regards to you are fighting tactics from a hundred years before with weapons that were modern at the time and the damage and destruction it caused. And just, um, I mean, you talk about a generation of Americans just being wiped out just because of, because of it, you know, and then it it was, it was, and then the political stuff that led up to it. And then the, what happened afterwards, it was a very dark, obviously a very dark time in our country. Sure. Yeah. So I don't find it. It's fascinating to study from, if you're someone who understands history and, and, and I think it's something that we need to teach, do a better job of teaching in our society. We need to teach our revolutionary period better. We need to teach our civil war period, the good I and agree. the bad. I agree. Uh, but it's not one that I necessarily enjoy talking because again, it's us versus us basically. And I don't like that. Um, I have very strong opinions about that period of time too. Like, um, you know, I've 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 always been someone, and some of y'all aren't going to like this, but I've always been someone who never really liked the Confederate flag much. Uh, simply from the standpoint, I've always viewed it as that was the flag of an invading army, right? Like I wouldn't fly the British flag, right? I mean, uh, so you know, I just it, it's a very but it, you bring that up, and it's going to create division and dissension and discussion, you know. And you know, again, it's one of those it's one of those times where I don't necessarily love the. I don't love talking about it just because it's such a dark, a dark time in our history, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots of, lots of great. We, we have totally gone off the rails, which I absolutely love because uh, it's Friday and it's a free for all. Uh, but everybody's talking about Star Wars and uh, Heath Ledger movies. And uh, here we go. Uh, whoops. Uh, the Patton movie is iconic. My dad recited that speech for a class in college. Big reason why Patton. Is my favorite general. 
I've uh, never seen that movie, but I've studied Patton a lot. Yeah. Gods and Generals is my favorite history movie. Civil War, great movie. No question about it. Uh, I had a kid cry in class when I showed parts of that movie, which was, I was like, yes, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Tom, Tom says, uh, dang, Notre Dame football and history conversation. Does it get any better? Not for us. <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, for about 80, 90 people that were in the chat before that aren't now, well, yeah, it clearly can get better, but I'm okay. Uh, I'm enjoying that, it. That's okay. I mean, it is what it is. And Here's one from rude. Jim Evans. Thank you. To me, it's been really disappointing that Notre Dame hasn't been able to develop a quarterback good enough to make an impact in the pros since who? Steve Berline. Uh, yeah. I think that's the last one, right? Brady I didn't mean, do much. Meyer was rookie of the year, but after that he fell That's off true. Table. That's true. Right. He had that one year, but yeah, he yeah. wasn't anything after that. Yeah, right. that's a good point. And, well, and Berline was the exact opposite. Berline didn't do a ton early right. in his career. His best years were when he was in his early to mid-30s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is, it is disappointing. I mean, really, if you really want to get serious about the last quarterback that was like legitimately really good in the NFL for any period of time, you'd have to go all the way back to Joe Montana, correct? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's very that made, interesting. That made an impact in the NFL, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Because, I mean, there Chief was some Brody, hung around for a little yeah. while. But. Chief Brody says, I, just, I, I, too, just find the Civil War to be incredibly depressing. Good, bad, and ugly showed that really well. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Somebody brought up, uh, let's see here. Tom Balork, I guess Wal- Walter Moore. Uh, let's see here. He said, uh, I'm with you 100% ready to go watch Band of Brothers. Which Band of Brothers was really good. You know, I've never seen that. It's really You good. know, I also did not see Saving Private Ryan until the last few months. Really? Mm-hmm. That first scene's yeah. tough to get through. Uh, yeah, well, because I've, I've I've seen I've studied that war so much, and I've seen so many documentaries. Yeah. I feel like it's just repeating stuff I already knew, and it's it's a fictitious thing, right? Sure. Um, so I didn't know if I was going to enjoy it, but I actually really enjoyed it. I normally don't. I normally don't. Yeah, no, but it's good. Uh, OC Irish fans, Brian, do yourself a favor and watch Patton. So I, apparently, we're going to have a double feature. We're going to watch Newt Rock the All American. And okay. then we're going to watch Patton, and then we'll throw in Band of Brothers. And I'm just going to yeah. move in for the weekend, and we're just going to yeah. watch awesome movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So here, uh, this is another one. Larry Larry said best NFL QB from Ohio State. That's another school that has not done a great job of producing quarterbacks for a long time. I'm trying to think of who who was a good NFL quarterback from Ohio State. I'd have to really look at that one. Mm. Um. It's been a while. That's a really good question. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Everybody's telling me to watch Band of Brothers. I've heard it's really good. I, I've read the books. Like I've read a lot of the books. I just haven't watched watched the movie. Um, but yeah, the um, I like the war movies where it, it puts it. I, I personally like World War II movies that are more realistic and not like glorified, but like actually like more realistic about the the what it went into the battles and you know and that's sure. the thing I, I liked about Saving Private Ryan. It was. It was very graphic in regards to what the just yeah. the chaos of war. Sure, um, I, I did appreciate that, uh, Chief Brody. We were talking about alternate World War II history and glorious bastards. Anyone? Can I admit I that I actually I did liked not that see movie? That. I did not see I, that. I actually liked that movie. Uh, I, I can't you? lie. I didn't think I was going to, but yeah, I mean, they kill Hitler in it, and anytime you can kill Hitler in a movie, 
I'm, I'm all for it. Fair enough. I'm Fair all enough. for it. There, um, there was that actual football question I wanted to get. Yeah, my uh, cough. Yeah. Should go. I feel different about no offensive targets have committed yet? I have a bad feeling about Merriweather, Williams, et cetera. I, I can understand why you feel that way, Mike. I do. Especially I, because I there were so many defensive guys committing I do. in a row. I do. Yeah. But look, they still have a they have a quarterback recruit in this class. They have a running back recruit. They've got a receiver recruit. They've got really good tight end recruits, and they have three O line commits. I mean, so it's not like they don't have guys. How they finish is going to go a long way towards determining how good this class is going to be, right? I get that, mm-hmm. and, and the timing of it is. But but look, the thing is, is with CJ and Tobias, those guys from the beginning said they were not going to commit this summer. If Notre Dame gets them to commit this summer. That in and of itself is a huge win, right? I mean, so so you're trying to convince yeah. guys who have always said we're not going to commit this summer to commit this summer. So it's kind of like being, man, I'm really nervous that Anthony Lucas hasn't committed yet. Well, Anthony Lucas never said he was going to commit this summer, right? So it's a little different. These two kids have – I mean, Tobias has been saying for months that he wants to wait till December to decide, do it like an all-star game. Well, I can't then fault the staff for still recruiting him and not getting him because he said he was going to do that. Right. Now, right. if you're able to convince him to not do that, that's a huge win. That's a big plus for Notre Dame, and they're going to have a better chance of getting him then. C.J. Williams, for a long time, intended to take visits into the fall. The fact that Notre Dame, the fact that he's going to commit this summer, is a great sign. But he was adamant the minute he left campus, he was going to decide what in August. I can't remember if he was going to decide in July and then commit in August or decide in August and then commit in September. I cannot remember, but there's going to be an important part of this in August (laughs) at some point in time. (laughs) That's a good sign for Notre Dame. That's a really good sign for Notre Dame. So I understand the skepticism. I really do. But I just look, let's let's. I mean, I haven't said it in a while, but let's let it play out. I, I'm look. I'm very tough on this offensive staff. If I'm telling you to not to 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 okay, it's actually moving in a decent direction right now. Have a little faith, and then if I get intel that it's not looking that way, then then I'll let you know. But I still feel like Notre Dame is a good position, but with both of those receivers, and now you've got another kid on the board that you know that that could be part of this too. It's a it's a good thing. It's yeah. a good thing. John A. One says, Band of Brothers is a great movie. As an officer in the Navy, so many things are relatable. They did a great job. So there's your endorsement okay. right there, Brian. And hey, John, appreciate your service. Yeah, absolutely. Very much. Absolutely. My Omar, parents used to go, when because I'm from, my parents are in Virginia Beach, Norfolk area. My parents used to always go to uh, the base when the carriers would come in, just to hmm. welcome the troops back. So yeah, I have a bit of a patriotic family. So. Omar, uh, and I have no comment on this because I don't know. He says, do you guys like the new direction of the last few movies have taken the Joker, the gold chain wearing young Nino Brown gang leader type deal? I don't know what that's referring to. I don't either. And I apologize. What, what last I few, I'm not sure what last few movies have. Yeah. I, um, I don't know if they're, they're doing like origin stories of the Joker or yeah. whatever, but I don't, that's off my radar. Unfortunately. I, I think are those, I think those are the, um, those are the ones that are like the, um, the oh, not the Suicide Squad ones. That version of the Joker. Oh, I haven't really watched those? any of those though. Yeah. I didn't even know he was in. Those, I think it's Jared so maybe... Leto's the character for those. If that's what he's, okay. that's the only other Jokers I know about. I haven't watched any of those. I have no okay. interest in any of those movies. Gotcha. Oh, he's talking about Joker and Suicide Squad. So yeah, I was right. So the Jared Leto ones. Yeah, I haven't watched any of those, and I, and I have no interest in them for the reason that Omar kind of hinted at. Like it just doesn't look sure. interesting to me. It, it's, 
I also wasn't a comic book guy, so I don't, you know, if something's closer to what the comics were or not, I don't really care. Yeah, me neither. Uh, Mike Hoff says, uh, I don't feel Angeli moves the needle for me. Yeah. Um, me neither, but I, again, I think there can be some value to a kid like that. Number one, he's going to be loyal to your program. He's not going to go anywhere. He's a hard, yeah. he's a hard worker, uh, comes from a good program, and he's doing a good job of recruiting other kids. And so, I mean, and, and he's a big-bodied kid with a decent arm. You know, I mean, take a flyer on a kid like that. The year after you get Buckner, it can be hard to get a five-star quarterback the year after you got another one. You know, So I, I get that. I get that. Here's an interesting one while you're searching, Vince. Tom Belork asked this question. If Notre Dame wins it all this year, does Brian Kelly hang up his whistle this year? I could see that. That is a fascinating I question. I could see that. I think he should. <clears throat> yeah. I'm a big believer in going out on top. Me could too. Could John Elway have come back and maybe Notre Dame wins a third title? Or uh, Sorry, uh, the Broncos, Broncos win a third title? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, they'd have brought back most of that team. Sure. But, you know, I don't know, man. Like, you get that ring – you're deep into your tenure. You've got it at a healthy place. There's nowhere to go but down after exactly. That. Unless you you have to now win next year. If you, I mean, right? Because if he goes two more years without winning, well, you know, it was a fluky year. Well, I mean, there's going to be some idiots that are going to say that no matter what. But like, I don't know, man. I just kind of feel like it's kind of like, and also be like the ultimate mic drop moment. Yeah, exactly. To the media and everybody that he despises. Yeah, you know, I've said this before. If Brian Kelly disliked his opponents as much as he dislikes us. In the media, you know, and, and the disdain he has for week. tough questions, he he have three <laughs> rings by now. Right. Uh, I say somewhat jokingly, yeah. But no, I mean it'd be the ultimate mic drop moment. I mean it really would, and he'd never be hotter from a from a speaking engagements and in media. I mean it just, well, oh yeah. man, and, and he'd and leave his... the program in a great place. Correct, absolutely you know? correct. Yep. So yeah, that, that yeah. Now would he do that or not? I have no clue. This is hundred percent my opinion. Just so anybody knows, th these are our opinions. We're not yes. saying that we know that he would or would not do that. Yes. Yeah, I, I would if I was him. I, and I might do it in my post-game press conference. Like, hey, let's talk yeah. about the game. Da, 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 da. Oh, by the way, I've just coached my last game at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that. <laughs> I don't think he would do it like that. I know. Because then that would take – he's too classy for that. He wouldn't opinion, take but, the, the shine away from everything yeah. that just went on. I know. But yeah. that I could absolutely see him walking away because I don't think yeah. that there's anything else that he can accomplish. At that yep. point, because championships are too hard to win. You're not guaranteed mm -hmm. a second one in a row. And if yeah. he doesn't win a second one in a row, what was the point of coming back? Right. So that that's right. how I feel about it, because he's been there over 10 years. It's time like he, that's what you worked for. So, yeah, um, uh, here we go. Chief Brody, bigger mic drop. BK wins the title to retire in Notre Dame had they won the ACC and then left. Well, I mean, the national title national title. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because then Notre Although Dame would have been great. Because Notre Dame's eventually going to be in the ACC, I think. So I'm like, huh, we're just kidding about all we're that back. trash we talked when we <laughs> <laughs> we're just playing. <laughs> I would, I don't curse, so I won't. Well, I don't curse on the show, so I won't do the fa my favorite quote from uh, the movie Friday from Smokey. I was just, you know, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, uh -huh. that's how it would be. All and right. you know this man. <laughs> so <laughs> I think after yeah, all of that. I think we finally made it to the end, well, Brian. Unless yeah, you see no, one you no, um, uh, He has a comment here okay. about what we're just talking about. He says, I just don't see Brian Kelly winning a title at Notre Dame, but I could see the contribution he has made eventually leading to one. I, I could see that. I could see that. I, 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 I think Brian Kelly's capable of winning a title at Notre Dame, and I think he's one move away from making that happen mm, one of two moves away mm. if he makes one of two moves i think it can happen 
By the way, Jim K, appreciate oh, the super K chat. Coming appreciate in. the late super chat, man. I, I, man. I do appreciate that very much. Um, I think Brian Kelly can is K, if he's willing to make one. He's made some huge moves, right? Marcus yes. Freeman being one, him being more involved in recruiting, all that kind of stuff is huge for Brian Kelly. There's one of two. There's two possible moves he can make on offense, either of which involve Tommy Reese. That if he makes one of those two moves in the next two year, ne- in the next year. It's going to be very important. Assuming the move is the the hire's got to be the right hire, right? Um, I think he's there, and, and I think the schedule is going to set up in these next couple of years to give them a chance. Sure. Um, I have always believed that Notre Dame has normally been better against these big teams in the regular season than they have in the postseason because there's less time to prepare. So next year, for example, in 2022, you know, say you lose to Ohio State, but you have a chance to knock Clemson out, or if you beat Ohio State and you lose to Clemson. Point being, there's a chance you could knock out one or both of Clemson and Ohio State during the regular season. You've knocked them out, right, of the playoff potentially. So that's that's a thing, and that could happen each of the next two years, right? Because they play both of them the next two years. So I, I think there's an opportunity for for Notre Dame to con- now if one or two of those are around the playoff, that means a team that's not normally as good as Clemson or or, or Ohio State is now in the playoff, right? I think those things help Notre Dame. So I, I think he's capable of it. Will he win it? I don't know. I, I really don't. I truly don't. But sure. I think he's capable of it. But I do think there's a lot of merit to maybe he doesn't win it these next couple of years, but he's laid the foundation that let's say, let's just say, because that's what the talk is Marcus Freeman steps in and takes that right. higher. Right. And then in the next couple of years, he wins a title. I think Brian Kelly would get a lot of love for that. And should. Uh, and should. And yeah. should. No, yep. he obviously wouldn't be the one that won it, but he should get a lot of credit for getting to the, the point where yes. you know his replacement could come in and take that take that next step. And then Jim K did have a follow-up comment yes, to after his super chat. He says, Hey guys, great job as always. In terms of the gap, where is Notre Dame in comparison to the top tier programs in regards to recruiting staff beyond the coaches and resources? That's a good question. They're a lot closer. And and this is one of those things that's not getting a ton of talk this offseason, but it's 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 um Chad Bowden, Dre Brown, more recruiting resources, more back office help and recruiting has been happening. It's been happening for a little while, but this offseason is it's they took a big leap. So those things are very important. Now, they're not the end all be all. I'll say again, at the end of the day, the difference between getting great players and not is the coaches. It's the full time position coaches. But those parts of it can be very important getting you to the finish line, then those guys got to get you past the finish line, right? So I think he's done a lot of that. But at the end of the day, the biggest change that Brian Kelly has made this offseason, Jim, in regards to from a recruiting standpoint, is, is him. It's his decisions, A, to hire to do whatever it took to get Marcus Freeman was a grand slam home run. And then him being more involved in recruiting has been a big, big benefit. It's not a coincidence that that's happening the year that Notre Dame's on pack track for its best recruiting class. It's not a coincidence. It's not just coach Freeman. That's a big right. part of it, but who hired Marcus Freeman? Yeah, Brian exactly. Kelly. Exactly. So, you know, so, so yeah, I, I think that that's a, but, but the resources and all that, that's a big part of it. The facilities have been a huge part of closing the gap. It just has. Uh, but at the end of the day, the product on the field is going to be the end-all, be-all determiner of can they take that next step. And we look at offense. If Notre Dame goes out there, we had a question way back two and a half hours ago that said over-under on points this year, 38 and a half. If I'm mm-hmm. right, if my guess, my prediction, my hope 
is right and it's over, that's going to have a big impact on the 2023 recruiting class where now maybe you can get one of those gap yeah. erasers or not. Sure. You know, uh, because of that success. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a question about what took Kelly so long. I, we we can we'll have time to rehash that right now. I'm just gonna enjoy the fact that he's doing it. Yep, exactly. Right? And, exactly. And, you know, I you know, I it took I him just, ten years at Grand Valley you know. State too. So right. you know, there's that. I don't care how long it takes, I just yeah. care that he's doing it. Mike Hoff says, I like Cone, but if it's close with Buckner, you go I think you go with Buckner, right? You go with the most talented, I would think. No, if no, if it's close, you go with experience, in I, my yeah. opinion. In yeah. this regard. Maybe maybe you go with talent in another way if like experience is similar and things like that. But Cone won ten games, went to the Rose Bowl. Right. He's not some. Scrub I, un- off the I understand the desire to put the more talented kid in there, but the thing is, if it's close, the more talented kid doesn't make sure he's the best kid. To me, I've always felt if the younger guy is going to play, he has to be significantly better. For example, in 2019, I wanted him to play the younger, less experienced kid because he was significantly better than the starter. Just that was the reality. I don't think Tyler Buckner is going to – here's the other thing. In 2019, that was year two for Phil Dracovic. He was a sophomore, right? I didn't say that in 2018. I said in 2019. Right. Um, I just think Tyler's going to need some time to get the experience going because right. he may look great in practice, but but we haven't seen him play a real football game in a long time. We need to bring Tyler along slowly from an expectation standpoint as fans and not expect him to just come out and look like Trevor Lawrence because it's – He's not Trevor Lawrence, number one, and then he doesn't have the experience that Trevor had in high school. So if it's close, I'm going with the older guy. Mm-hmm. If I've said this about Drew Pine too. If if Drew Pine beats out Jack Cohn, he's got to be definitely better. We in have my opinion. I, I you thank you transition man. That was awesome. Tom says lots of love for Pine coming out of the Manning camp. Is there any chance, however, so slight? that he beats Cone out, and then Nolan kind of responds to it. He says, Pine beats out Cone. I think that means great things for this season because I don't think they hand Pine the job yeah. unless he's a lot better than I think Cone. Nolan is spot on. Drew's going to have on. to be significantly better than Jack to win the job. And if yes. he is, that's going to mean a lot of good things about this offense because Jack Cone's a good football player. And if he gets beat out, that's a great sign for Notre Dame. I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, it's a great sign. But look, this is a – this is a channel that y'all know I've been very high on Drew Pine for a while. I have not bought into the whole he's gonna he's just a he's just gonna get passed up by Tyler Buckner the first day. Tyler Back Buckner may pass him up. Tyler Buckner's incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. Drew Pine is not some slappy that you know that 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 can't play. Drew Pine's right. a really good football player too. That kid can right. play. And that's why I've said before, I know we spend a lot of time talking about who's gonna start and all that. I don't care. If so, if try it, the only way I would care is if they make a decision, a, a wrong decision on who. Hey, we're going to play Tyler because he's so talented, even though he's not ready. That would be a mistake because you can win it this year. But if Tyler comes out and he's just out playing Jack and Drew every day, start him, start him. Right, exactly. Don't care. Yeah. If Drew Pine goes out there and outplays Jack Cone every day, and and out then Tyler every day, start him. Don't care. If if Brendan Clark does that, start him. I don't care. This is a very talented quarterback room. It's one of the best Notre Dame has had mm-hmm. in Talk a while. Yeah, I think you'd have to go back to the Kaiser, Zaire, Wimbush before the injuries to find one that is got more upside. That one had more upside. This one has more proven production. Yes, agreed. But I mean, that's a it's a really good quarterback room. It lacks experience outside of Cone, but it's very talented. And I think Drew Pine is, and we've been saying this for months. He is getting overlooked. 
by a lot of Notre Dame fans. And I understand why. I do. I understand why. But I don't think that they – I don't think we should. Tom, uh, he says, okay, this was pre-IB days. The offensive pass interference call the last time at Florida State. Good call or BS? I about needed a new TV. BS. BS. Yeah. Total, total, total Homer pick, like Homer call BS. 100%. 100%. Yep. No question. Uh, let's see here. Nate, Truman. What, what, what do you got? No, go ahead. Okay. I'm not there yet. Uh, Truman says, who's the biggest commit out there that will put us over the top and change the game and seriously close the gap big time? If we're just an individual player, it's it's Anthony Lucas for me. That's left, I, that's I left think, on the board. Yeah. Right I, I I mean, even if he was on the board, yeah. I mean, he is he would be the best player in this class, in my opinion. Okay. Uh he is he is a game changer. I mean, he's not even a gap closer, he's a gap eraser. I would argue that of a from a need standpoint, there's a greater need for Xavier Noankpa just because they're already pretty loaded in the defensive line. But if we're just talking about individual players with no context of positional need, because this is a really good question, Truman, if you erase the need aspect and no context of anything else, just who is the player that is the most dynamic, would close the gap, all that kind of stuff. To me, it's 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 Anthony Lucas on defense. On offense, it's Tobias Merriweather. I think Tobias Merriweather's special. I think he's special. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he would be that guy on offense. But just overall, it's Anthony Lucas. If you want to take need into consideration, okay, what great play, you know, great prospect that also you take in what the needs are to position, then I'd go with Xavier Nwangpa because I think the need at safety is greater. They've already got a really good defensive line class, right? And they've got some good players last year. Um, I, I would go with Xavier Nwangpa at that point, but just no context. It's Anthony Lucas. Chief Brody wants to know how we would celebrate a Notre Dame national championship. Well, during the game and after, I would not celebrate. <laughs> because we we'd would be have, working. We, yeah, we would have some fun, though, in the post-game podcast show. Yes, well, absolutely. No question. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a yeah. lot of fun, actually. Um, oh, I'm going, Wallace, to the, yeah, I'm going to a press conference. I'm, I'm going to show up at a press conference with a Gap Erased shirt, though. <laughs> just have it like under your shirt just, it'd be gap closed that's what we're gonna do remember that's the bet right, right. yes i will absolutely. go i will be in the press box with gap closed shirt on there's no question about it <laughs> i'll be sitting right next to you too <laughs> even if i gotta pay my own way <laughs> all right uh nate wallace says i think the guy was referring to grant over lee grant grew up in illinois lee was a superior commander grant just grinded the army of northern virginia until there was nothing left and yeah. sid irish Says, well, Grant also had more men and material. Which right. Is true. That's ultimately what it came down to. Yes, I mean, it, but see, that's where Grant was smart. Uh, Grant, number number one, knew when to not to fight, but also wasn't a coward like a lot of the northern generals right. were. Exactly. Uh, but he also understood, much like we've had some other generals since then, understood, like, look, we have the we have the resources battle. We have to do things to make sure they run out of theirs a lot sooner. Right. Uh, and then also, you know, I think the, the Sherman March South also had a big role because that was when the Southern, I felt the Southern um, spirit was officially broken is when, you know, when they did that. But yeah, I, Lee was by far the best general. I mean, if you'd have put Lee on the Northern side, it would have been right, over a lot it, sooner. Way. I'm just saying. Right. It, it would, if it the Virginia would generals would have fought with the North and that's Lee and Stone and Thomas Stonewall Jackson would yes. have fought with the North, that war would have been over in a heartbeat. Yes. Correct. Because honestly, that's where the best American generals were, was that group, that, that Virginia group. I mean, it just, 
just was, yep. especially Lee. Uh, but, yep. um, yeah, the, the, the generals for the northern side were pretty ineffective for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Quite a long uh, time. Dropping Dime says, honestly, we should have Phil as our quarterback if he started a couple games in 19. Yep. That's probably true. If he would have started a couple games in 19, then that's... Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mike Hoff says, Dante Moore is my ultimate gap eraser for me in the next few years. I get it because of the position. I yeah. get it. I'm curious how people are going to view that if Tyler Buckner turns out to be as good as I think he's going to be. Sure, yeah. But I also yeah. think to be a champion, to be a consistent program, you can't just have Tyler Buckner and then you don't get another one for five years. You know, so so yeah. I think I think Dante I think Dante Moore's a special one. Yeah, yeah. Sid Irish says the clipping call on Rockets return awful call. I didn't think that was as bad of a call. I don't think it should have been called. But he was close enough to the play, and it was close enough to the back where you could kind of understand it, even though I thought it was a bad call. Uh, the call against Florida State was just just a awful, awful call. Here's another bad call. Ohio State-Miami 2012-2002, also BS play, pass interference call. Yeah, it's a pretty bad call, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm at the bottom. So Okay. Uh, dropping dimes. Uh when we were in the playoffs in 2018, the fumble that Notre Dame recovered should have been had Notre Dame get it, but they made it so it wasn't. Uh, I almost turned off turned off the TV. Here's what I didn't like about that call. I felt like it was one of those calls where it was not definitive that he was definitely out. They should have, and it was not definitive that he was in. They should have gone with the call in the field. I didn't think it was one of those things where there was enough to overturn the call either yeah. way. Right. The fact that not only if like if they would have called him out of bounds live, I would have not been mad if they didn't overturn it. Right. But the fact that they called it Notre Dame ball and then overturned it. Right. Right. Was ridiculous. Right. And and replay has gotten so many of those things wrong. Not that they don't, you know, hey, look, we're not going to turn overturn the call. I'd rather you be more cautious in that regard. Hey, we're not going to we're not going to overturn the call that was made on the field because it just, you know, we can't hundred percent sure the fact that they flipped that one was bad. That was one of two instances in that game where the game completely changed because of that. That was the one call. And then the other one was when book didn't throw to miles Boykin on that post route uh, when it was nothing, nothing after the first series. Right. And, and if he makes that call, that throw to miles Boykin and he had made it, we knew he could make it. He made it against Pitt, right. For, a, for a win. But if he'd had to, you know, willingness to make that throw, you know, it's maybe seven nothing. And then that fumble thing came later. All of a sudden it's it's fourteen to nothing. Right. Notre Dame. Right. Uh you know, so that that was kind of where I came from. I just it was it was just it was a bad overturn. It should it should have whatever the call in the field was, there was nothing that made me think they should have done anything different. But that's the thing is it's like those kind of things can have a big impact on the on the field. And I'd rather the guys on the field making the calls have more uh, say in somebody up in the box that's able to slow it down. And, you know, I just – I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. Oh, this is a good one. The Zibikowski overturned fumble against Ohio State. That's another one that I thought was interesting. I didn't think that should have been overturned. Either. Oh, yeah. There's – yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's a question. Uh, Chief Brody, what was worse to watch, 2018 Clemson or 2020 Bama? I'd say 2018 Clemson because I actually I, thought Notre Dame had a chance yes. that game. And that's the thing. I, I, I felt like 
if you know Julian Love doesn't get hurt and all of those different things, then I feel like Notre Dame could win that game. And it was on my birthday, so yeah. like that was a double whammy. But yeah, it yeah. was hard. It was harder to watch that one because I had so much confidence going into that game, and just to be just deflated. I didn't have as much confidence going into the Alabama game as I did going into the Clemson game. That's me personally. Yeah, even though I thought Notre Dame, uh, yeah. I hear where you're coming from. I don't disagree yeah. with that. And that was such, the Notre Dame Bama game was just such a boring game to watch. Yeah, it really was. It was I agree was with that. Boring. Here's a here's one. D Master eighty one. The overturn of the TD. This was from David Grimes. Remember that where he dove in the end zone. The overturn right. of the TD that that Notre Dame had against Stanford in two thousand seven. Overturning it when he clearly caught it worst replay call ever. That's in that conversation. That was in that conversation D-Master. for sure. It is in the conversation. That yeah, that was. You remember the call, right? That David Grimes, the diving one in the end. I mean, it was so clearly a touchdown. Right. But it's another one where, like, okay, if it was, if they ruled it incomplete. I still would have probably been ticked if they wouldn't have overturned it. I would have thought that was one that was so clear it, w- it should have been overturned if they called it incomplete. But then to make it worse, they overturned the complete call. Yeah, it was right. It yeah. was terrible. Absolutely, it was terrible. Absolutely. Um, here's here's a couple one. Here's a couple uh, that are good. Caleb Collins says, "Who's the most electric player in the 2010s in college football? <laughs> Lamar, the Anthony Thomas, Tavon Austin, some of my faves. To me, I, I think the most electric player in the last a lot of the 2010s." It's Lamar Jackson. Yes, and I don't think it's that close. Yeah, I mean he he was he was special. I mean he he. <laughs> you're talking about guys that could just put somebody on your shoulders and. I mean, single handed. I don't even think Anthony Thomas was the most yeah. electric guy at Oregon. I think that's a Michael James. I think the Michael James is more special than Anthony Thomas. Just me. Tavon Austin's in that conversation. It, I he was in the tens, right? I always for. Hmm. But yeah, Tavon was. Uh, I mean, his highlight film from college is is fun to watch oh yeah no doubt about that i yep. mean he was yep. really good and you put him in that air raid offense Tavon was a lot of fun to watch yeah I, I somebody said what about deshaun watson i think deshaun watson was a great player i wouldn't call him electric i think he was phenomenal but i didn't view deshaun as electric yeah right like to me lamar was electric you know, and Deshaun put up great numbers. I mean, Deshaun threw for a lot more yards than Lamar, didn't he? Rushed for over a thousand yards in 2015. But Lamar was just like, I mean, Lamar was the was the most recent kind of arms not as strong, but like Lamar's like the modern day Michael Vick, right? Like just the stuff he could do athletically. You're like, whoa, that was fun to watch. Uh, you know, so I, oh, yeah, I'd have to. I mean, I, I'd I'd want to go through it, but. <laughs> I, there's going to be guys that I'm going to think, oh, yeah, what about that guy? And what about that guy? Yeah. But yeah. I'd have a hard time thinking that anyone's going to be better than Lamar Jackson right. from an electric standpoint. I just, of the 2010s, I really can't think of anybody. The most electric players I've ever seen in my life in college, obviously you, Reggie Bush was that way, but, I mean, it's yep. still a rocket. I mean, uh, there was a thing that came out. I think we talked about this yesterday. Fox Sports. So this isn't some like this – this stupid outlet that keeps putting up like, you know, Matt Bayless is the number 35. Yeah. I don't right. know who that is. I don't care about that. Stupid Fox sports put a, and the title said most like most dynamic players of all time. And it was like the, the, the Reggie Bush was the oldest guy on the list. I was like, come on. Yeah. Like no, nobody could have been elected. Not only did you that. not have rocket, but Barry yeah. Sanders wasn't on there. Does, has anyone right. ever actually looked at what Barry Sanders did in 11 games at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma state? state? Yeah. I mean, it was absurd. What? Yeah, he did. exactly. Absurd, and I don't even think Randy Moss was on there. It's like, how do you not have Randy? I mean, Randy Moss in his one year at Marshall, uh, 
one meaning one year of FBS at Marshall because he was an FCS the year before. What just did things that you're like, no, no receiver's done that before. I mean, it was just one of the, the like. Did you have some 15 year old that like never doesn't have doesn't how to use Google or YouTube? <laughs> like put that list together exactly. You know, like yes. yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yes. Uh, here's another bad call: Stephon to it getting a targeting call at Pitt, and then Tory Hunter getting hit in the end zone at Texas isn't a targeting. Call. Oh my gosh, that one made me so mad. I mean, isn't so that the very mad. definition of what we're trying to protect players for? He almost died. I mean, that yeah. was being yeah. hyperbolic, obviously. Right. But how do you not call that? It, it yeah. is unbelievable to me. And then you reviewed it and didn't call it. Yes, exactly. But yet Stephon's going to get booted for what he did. Chief you know, Brody, here you go. I think he's just trying to make everybody mad. Uh, worst to watch, Michigan 2019 or Miami 2017? Miami, because that team had a chance to do something. That 19 team was wasn't, Michigan. wasn't. That hurt that, me that, well, a lot. For me, that 19 team wasn't wasn't winning anything. I mean, they, they, if they'd fair. have got to the playoffs, they'd have got smacked. That's fair. That 17 team, if they'd have beat Miami and then had the confidence that would have come from that, I think that team could have won a championship. I really yeah. do. Because again, beating Miami would have meant Brandon Wimbush didn't take a step back. Because if if they if Brandon Wimbush would have played like he had been playing the couple games before, like against Wake Forest, uh, they, they can beat anybody with that yeah. offensive line and, and the the way they were playing on defense and stuff. They could have beat anybody. And uh, Bama wasn't that good that year. You know, Clemson got was pretty mediocre that year, in my opinion. That was the Kelly sure. Bryant Clemson team. Yeah, right. I think that team, if they don't, if they don't, All right. just crap the bed against Miami. I think that team would have had a shot to do Fair something. Enough. In the For me, it was it was a Michigan game. Yeah. I, I was on the road at a soccer tournament. I set up a big screen for all the parents you're, to watch you're, in like you're the not party alone. room. It was it was you're terrible. Alone. It was terrible. And I'm so, yeah. and, and of course I had to write about that game too. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm trying to oh mm-hmm. it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. Horrible. It was not fun. Here's a uh talking about the history thing. Tom M says get the DVD series Victory at Sea. It's incredible. I have that. It's really good. It's really good. And there's also, it's called the Pacific, I believe is what it's called on. I think it's Netflix has it, but that's the other one that I like. That's about the Pacific war, but the victory at sea is a really good one as well. I told you there was two movies. There was two history movies that really moved me uh, when I was a kid that just like really fueled my passion for history. Um, And Midway was one of them. We've talked about that. So uh, my dad also made me watch roots when I was a kid. Really? So it came out in the seventies, but they did some kind of re-airing on PBS or someone I was a kid. And so my dad made me watch that. Uh, and then just kind of studying that part of our history. And then just, I've always been fascinated with history and how a country is formed, the good and the bad. Um, but then Midway was the other one just really drove a passion. Cause that was back when we had bookmobiles. Did you guys have bookmobiles when oh, you were yeah. kid Vince? Oh, absolutely. I was, I was always the bookmobile. Like they would wait longer just to make, if I hadn't shown up yet, they'd be like, okay, we're going to give Driscoll five more minutes. Like, I love the bookmobile, <laughs> man, because you know, I'd get those history books and stuff and love studying that. Like my dad had, like my dad always, my dad too. Like they, they, they fostered that. Like we had Encyclopedia Britannica when we were kids. Like he'd buy like those World War Civil War series, those books, you know, those great books sure. and oh, stuff yeah. like that. So, um, but yeah, I actually, he, when they moved recently, I had them bring all that stuff here. So I have all those books now at home. Nice. Uh, but yeah, those were, um, those were, those were two, um, two movies that really, but of course those then sparred reading and studying and research and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, those were two movies that when I was a kid that were in, in completely different ways, obviously your reaction to roots is going to be a whole lot different than your reaction to midway. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But those were two that really sparked my, my love of studying history, right? All aspects of it. 
Uh, very, very fascinating. So it's Search of Green's history movies. I love it. It's <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, man. <laughs> that's a great way. Oh, that's, that's, that's awesome. Stuff. That's good stuff. That's really good. That's really good. <clears throat> so it looks like I'm bringing you a movie. So yeah. uh, I'm going to be bringing it over to your house when we're done N- here. Nolan, we'll wrap up with this. This is a great way to end it. Nolan, am I the only one that has a hard time even watching Desmond Howard? His anti Notre Dame bias is almost childlike evident. Yes. Yes, you're you're correct on you're no, you're not the only one that can't watch him. And it's not just as anti Notre Dame. He is so unprepared. It's like God oh, yeah. love Lee Corso, but he's no. Well, Lee, Lee Corso's an old old man. It's exactly like it's they time. need to put it's him out time. to pasture. And look, not, I love his not a good not a good look. I, that means retire. He needs to retire. It means retire. Okay. Put him out to pasture. Like right. it's time for him to retire. It's time for them to find somebody other than Desmond. He's a character. Yeah. I mean, he's not even like a he's not even a good analyst. He, he gets facts wrong all the time. Right. I mean, it's like how does he have how does he have that job? Like if you want to have a former player do it, then go get Jonathan Vilma. That's a dude that knows football. Right, get David Pollock to do that. He usually is pretty. I mean, I don't disagree with them. I don't agree with them all the time. I don't agree with Jonathan Vilma all the time. But at least with Pollock and Vilma, you know, you're like they've actually studied and prepared and know what they're talking about. Sure, you know, like those are two guys I would give a push over Desmond. Like Desmond, he's just he's not good at what he does. Forget the whole goofiness and that ridiculous laugh he has. He's just not good at his job. (laughs) You know, I mean, when Kirk Herbstreit's the most talented dude on the set, you got a problem. Yeah, you got a true. problem. Uh, so I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, I'm, I, I yeah. <laughs> Here's Chief Brody. Desmond Howard has worse takes than Lee Corso. Sad but true. I mean, and Lee Corso doesn't remember what he had for dinner. You know, I mean, right. it's like it's time. Yeah. It's time. Yeah, it's time. Yeah, and, and good dude, fun dude. I like Coach. Corso. I loved his. Just, I loved his shtick. Like. I get yeah. it. It's just it it looks yeah. like he's reading off cue cards now. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. I loved yeah. it. I love Lee Corso. I loved him. Yeah. But yeah. Honestly, that's what I like about the Fox series. Look, I don't agree with Reggie Bush a lot, but I think you know what? Pre-game he clearly really prepares. Yeah. Him, Matt Leinard, and Brady Quinn, they're all yeah. prepared. I, think I don't always really agree with show. them, but they do I, a really good job. Yeah. Because they all actually know what they're talking about. Yes. And they're they're not out there. It's not a com- like when I watch ESPN. It's almost like it's a comedy routine. Mm-hmm. They're always that's laughing what it's and into. joking and trying to say funny things. It's like it's like that's like um, when when you see like politicians who like laugh at jokes or laugh, laugh at questions. It's like that's because they don't have an answer or they don't want to tell you the truth, right? And it's kind of like how I feel about ESPN. It's like they always laugh and joke. It's to distract from the fact they have no clue what they're talking <laughs> about. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. None. What I like exactly. about when, when they laugh at uh, on Fox is because like they're ribbing each other because they played together or played against each other, right? Which so there's is, those comments, which is a but great, when they yeah yeah, but when they actually talk ball, when it was Coach Meyer, when it was Liner, Reggie Bush, and 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 I don't like Reggie. I mean, I don't love Reggie Bush, but like the dude is prepared. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's talking about. I'd rather get people like that. I wish that was more of a big thing than ESPN's game day. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd watch Fox more than I, even yeah. last year, I'd watch Fox more than I, I, yep. I didn't watch game day once last year. Truly not once. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, I'm tired of the gimmick. I'm tired of the lack. I'm just going to go watch Fox where they're going to yeah. actually talk about football. Yep. You know, and, um, and now that uh, 
uh, what's the guy that does the history? Tom Rinaldi. Now that he's not on Fox or on ESPN, there's zero reason to watch Game Day. Yeah, because his stuff was good. I, I oh, love. Oh, he his was stories. great. He, he was, was great. Awesome. Oh, yeah. I would actually go find that. I try to because you know they put it up on YouTube, or I would always DVR Game Day. And if I heard that he did a really good history, I'd then maybe go find. I didn't do it last year, but like I right. would do that in the past. Yeah, uh, he does his stuff is good, but he's not there anymore because you know good journalists aren't really in demand at ESPN anymore. Right. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, somebody said who's replacing Meyer at Fox? Wasn't it Mark Richt? But I that was before. Hear. I thought it was got, Mark Richt, but he just he just. He's got Parkinson's. So yeah. Not sick, but he's got well, Parkinson's. Yeah. I, so I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. You know who I could see doing it in a couple years, like when his career's over? Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I could see it. Brian yeah. Kelly doing something like that. Like, I really could. I think he'd be good at that. I'd be, that'd be a lot of fun to watch. So, yeah, I. Uh, that's it. I think that's it. Yeah, a lot of comments about game day yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. So, Hold on, you gotta put we this got, one up here. We got it, we got it. Yeah. So, so every time I missed hooking a trout this past week, I cast it back out and told myself to just let it play out. <laughs> that's, that's that might be the comment of the day. We right? have to end with that. We that's, have to end with that. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, hey, you know, this was by far our longest show. We actually yes, went it four was. hours. It's insane. But uh, uh, appreciate everybody being willing to kind of stick with some of those non-football topics. You know, this is the time of the year to have those. You know, late yeah, July, absolutely. there's not a lot going on recruiting. Camp doesn't start till next week. I don't know. I think we've done a pretty good job of covering everything. Uh, you know, uh, this was fun. This was fun. So I'm, I'm glad we yes, got to, to do some things. So uh, enjoyed it uh, very much. Appreciate everybody. Um being with us today it's a lot of fun yeah vince thanks for for being part of it too but uh, yeah. we'll be back on monday i hope everybody has a great safe awesome weekend and uh we'll be back on monday with some fun topics and we'll be ready to uh to to really dive in because we're gonna be we're gosh we're we're, we're gonna be about away. two weeks away from fall camp starting when we get there on monday right. so right and we got another interview i'm trying to get set up that if it goes through is going to be uh really uh, exciting and awesome next week so We'll see what happens, but awesome. Uh, that's where we're at. So everybody have a great weekend. Thanks for all the super chats. Thanks for the people that didn't get super chats, but stuck with us this entire time. Leave us a like before you leave, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and we will talk to you again on Monday.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.